Hello and welcome to the Sonic Cinema Podcast. My name is Brian Scuttle. Thank you for joining me at www.sonic-cinema.com as well as the Sonic Cinema Podcast YouTube channel. I like the podcast, like the YouTube channel, uh, any, t- any place you listen to the podcast, rate, review, subscribe, and uh, check us out. There's all sorts of great episodes that we've had so far this year, and there's going to be some great ones uh, coming up this year, too. I'm really excited about this lineup, and uh, that's basically wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also check us out at patreon.com backslash sonic cinema. And uh, you, you've got different tiers, have different uh, rewards, whether it is leaving the collection and other early access um, and film festival review blocks at uh, the, $1, the $1 level. At the $2 level, you get our my Oscar nominations discussions, which is appropriate for what we're going to be discussing today, as well as my... 10 favorite soundtracks of of the year, which uh, just came out the day that we are recording this. And then at the uh, top level, you also, you get all of that as well as Life Soundtrack, where I look back at a, an album in my collection, doesn't have to be a soundtrack, but more than likely it's going to be a soundtrack. And I talk about why it ended up in my uh, collection and what, really kind of stands out, and that's at patreon.com backslash sonic cinema. We've come to the year point of the year where it's my annual Oscar category and uh, 10 best films of 2022 of the year uh, podcast, but like we did with last year, we're not going to be doing this just me talking. I am pleased to be joined, joined once again by Amanda Spears, a uh, an awards watcher, and it was great to talk to her about the Oscars last year. I think there were certainly some things that happened on Oscar night that neither of us could have predicted. <laughs> um, and what uh, the hell is it? Oh my god! <laughs> and uh, but this year might be a bit different. Although you know, there are certainly some categories where I think both of us are kind of not quite sure where to uh, come down on just yet. Amanda, how are you doing? I, I'm doing fine. I'm um, been a crazy couple of months with uh, the Oscars, but uh, it's going to be fun to talk about them. As a uh, reminder, is there a particular uh, hub or a particular place for people to uh, check out your writing, uh, your your words on the awards throughout the year? Well, it's been a dramatic year. Um, I'm trying to get back into it, actually, but I did have a SAG article currently on awards radar, so probably there. Okay. I got to get back into it a little bit more. It's been a, like I said, a rough year. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, I I mean, I, it, it certainly is, uh, it's certainly difficult when you have, uh, when you have real life that just really kind of impedes on, you know, not not necessarily impedes because anything that happens outside of movies and discussion on movies, you know, takes precedent. But the fact of the matter is, yeah, my mom passed away, yeah. and so you know, it's just mm-hmm. that haven't felt like writing. But it, it, it feels good to get back and talking about it. So thank you for having me on. Oh no problem. No, it was it was really a lot of fun to uh, talk to you about these 
uh, this last year, and I was really looking forward to doing it again. So we are coming up on the 95th Academy Awards this year. Um, it does seem like there's hopefully not going to be a whole lot of drama and controversy as far as what the ceremony is going to look like this year. Um, certainly compared to last year where they decide, oh, we're going to do some of the categories off uh, off the live broadcast. Um, and then, of course, you have something, you know, you have the, uh, you have Will Smith um, slapping uh, Chris Rock, which basically threw Twitter into an absolute uh, mayhem for weeks on end. Um, but yeah, uh, based on what you're, what you have noticed as far as the build-up to the 95th Oscars, uh, what, what do you think we can kind of expect in terms of the ceremony itself? Well, I think this year's theme is expect the unexpected, not just in the top categories, but in the tech categories also, because typically what's been happening is there's one tech film that wins three or four awards and another one that might win two or three but there's a lot of overlap this year. And what makes that so much fun is when there's like three or four best picture nominees in one category. Yeah. That does give the other two, especially in some of those tech categories, a better chance mm -hmm. of potentially winning. And we'll get into that as we talk about each category. Not writing. Yeah. Not writing. But I just, I want to say that up front. Don't, don't make this your year to pick glass onion to win screenplay. No, 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 no. But yeah. in some of the other categories, it does open the door for some unexpected uh, potential. No, that, that is absolutely true. And especially, and one of the things that I think we've, we've come to expect from the Academy over the past decade or so is that there won't necessarily be that movie that just seems to win everything. And it's basically going to be, they're going to be spraying out the awards throughout uh, the nominees, especially among the best picture nominees. But like to your point, you know, there's so many of the uh, categories where there's a lot of overlap with best picture nominees. It is really kind of, and even if you think about, you know, what type of movie has won over the years, you still can't quite predict, well, this is definitely going to win. This is definitely going to be yeah. the winner. And it's it's really fascinating to be in that position after so long. Yeah, it's it's going to be a fun year. Yeah, definitely. Um, so as we go through the nominations... One of the things I will say is we are not going to touch the short films because we, we both talked about earlier uh, before the record that neither of us are as up on the short films as we would we probably should be in order to discuss the short film categories. Like, I've only seen one of them this year, and that was a, one that I saw at Sundance but uh, last year. So uh, we're not going to touch the short film categories because, you know, I, I just 
have no clue what I would even Well, people want to hear about the, the big ones. So, yeah. But I will just say this about the shorts. Pay very close attention to what the experts say. I, I'm going to spend the weekend and, and really watch them. And my, my predictions for those will be online. But I or will be on Twitter. But that is where it will make or break your, your, um, your, uh, your office pool. I got 22 out of 23 stupid animated short. <laughs> I am still pissed. I was so <laughs> close to my perfect, perfect score. So I, I won't get into it too much, but anyways, I'm just, I will just say, pay attention. if you're not going to watch them like we are, go, go and look at really what the experts are saying, or, you know, sometimes just pick the name you think is funny because sometimes that's really what happens. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start with actually what will probably be one of the easiest categories to even, uh, predict this year uh best visual effects which has of all quiet on the western front avatar the way of water the batman black panther wakanda forever and top gun maverick am am i wrong in thinking that this is avatar just far and away beyond any doubt um again this is a very interesting race because Usually there's not a Best Picture nominee in this. I mean, that, that's usually the, the case. Mm-hmm. So typically you'd pick the film that would be a Best Picture nominee. So um, Interstellar or uh, give me another Christopher Nolan film, the, the latest one that didn't make any sense. Uh, um, Tenet? Yeah, Tenet. The, you know, you'd pick the one closest to being a Best Picture nominee. So you have... All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, and Top Gun, all Best Picture nominees. And I will remind you, the one time there was multiples in there was back in 2000. Uh, I'm trying, let me just pull it up. I had it up, and now, you know when you just have too many windows open at one time? <laughs> okay, so yeah, so they had, so in 2015, Ex Machina, took mm-hmm. down Mad Max Fury Road and The Revenant. That was when there's two. But remember, what other film was in that race? Star Wars. So we got this kind of weird, you know, zigzag. Yeah. Normally, I wouldn't say to play with this. And I really feel like this is a category where Disney missed an opportunity. But don't count out Black Panther because Dan Suddick one of their visual effects artists, and this guy's probably like the richest in the category, but he's, he's Marvel's. <laughs> he has, this is his 13th nomination without a win. Mm. So you never really know what's going to happen. Okay. When there's that many Best Picture nominees, Avatar, yeah, Avatar would be my pick, but you mm-hmm. just, you never know because All Quiet on the Western Front is the more... A uh, classic Oscar film. Mm-hmm. Top Gun was a huge success. This could be their place. I don't think they go Batman, but if if it's a real shame Disney didn't didn't push this, they really could have taken this category. This this is not as done a deal. And I'm usually remember last year when we talked about this. I said, "When in doubt, go as a Best Picture nominee." Yeah, this is one of those years with all of these tech races where 
they might zig instead of zag. So mm-hmm. yes, I'm going to go with Avatar, but I would not be shocked if any of these, well, except Batman, if any of the other four, any of the other three took it for that reason. Mm-hmm. Avatar just has the most effects and that's usually the good way to go. Right. But I did want to bring that up. This is not a typical year because of the number of uh, Best Picture nominees in this category. Yeah, that's a very good point. And uh, yeah, this, this like like you were saying, there are so many of these categories, and the next one is going to be a great example of this again. Last um, year, it was just like, just check off Dune. Like, yeah. everybody just yeah, but don't I mean, even think about it. It's, this year, you you really you really could think about it and make a, a strategic bet, or you know, pick a different film. Yeah, I mean, especially especially because the the Top Gun did not get nominated in the category that many predicted it could probably win, which was cinematography, and we'll get there. But the question and this is one category one more thing i want to say on this and i then i will stop is when we talk about diversity at the oscars mm-hmm. this category is all men and there are four or five names each yeah for each of these films that's this is when i talk about diversity where i have a problem when we only talk about director mm-hmm when we have a sausage fest, no offense. Sorry yeah. to be crass. <laughs> no, that's that that is that is that is very true. Um, yeah, I mean, you, I, you know, it's funny because of the fact that it's like, I, I'll admit, I, I never really think about diversity when it comes to like visual effects artists, but yeah, I mean, when when you put it that way, yeah, I, I, it's, it's not. Have, have there are 20 men in five in, in for five of these spots yeah They're, each one of these has four now i'm not i'm not going through all these names and seeing who's of what race because that would take too long but i'm just saying you have all men yeah no you're you're absolutely right uh has there been a female visual effects artist who's won not not that i can think of off the top of my head i'm sure there is because you know, again, there's like four to five people every year in each of these slots. Yeah. This isn't a solo gig, but mm-hmm. still, when you look, when you really talk about diversity and actresses is what really always annoys me. They go, well, I wanted a female director. I'm like, that's amazing. How about a female direct cinematographer? How about a female editor? How about a female sound mixer? Mm-hmm. No, that's, that is, that is an excellent point. And, uh, but yeah, I, it's also an excellent point that, uh, you, you you brought up just almost how wide how how much there there are a number of ways that visual effects could go this year and i i do agree with you as far as the batman i i have a feeling that un, unfortunately i i just don't as as much as i love the batman i don't see it i don't think there's a real pathway to win it in any of these categories Partially, but that's as much, it says as much on the uh, competition it's against than anything. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and Black Panther was probably close to a Best Picture nomination. Yeah. Um, 
So they really should have pushed it for this guy. I mean, one one day they're going to push it, and he's going to finally finally get his. Mm-hmm. But you know, when you talk about somebody who's like up there, yeah, in nominations, this poor guy is that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't. I I do feel bad for people when you're like 13 nominations in. Yeah. No, it is every it's, year he gets nominated. <laughs> no, that is that is an excellent point. So we are going to move to Best Sound, which has All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar of the Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis, and Top Gun Maverick. And I this is this is one of those categories where traditionally speaking, I would almost say, oh, just mark down Elvis because of the musical element. But honestly, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, like, it, it used to be, because there was sound mixing and sound editing, yeah. Elvis would win sound mixing, like like um, West Side Story would have won that last year. Yeah. But I think, there, again, when in doubt, go for the most of everything. I think that All Quiet on the Western Front will pick this up again. Hmm. They, they took it. They took down Avatar at the BAFTAs. I, I do think it's a big war movie. Yeah. It does make sense here. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is a fantastic group of five. I mean, even if I'm not as high on Elvis as a movie as I am the other four, I, I still think, you know, where it counts as far as the sound mixing, it was a terrific job. And um, but yeah, I mean the war aspect of All Quiet on the Western Front can definitely see that winging out. I mean, and plus all you have to do is look at the widespread affection that that movie has below the line, as well as being a Best Picture nominee and Best Director. It's weird and... to me that everything everywhere isn't in this category. This is when I thought it, it would get. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of people were surprised by that. But I mean, you know, it's this, this is, and this is a case where we have four Best Picture nominees and then the Batman. And so. Yeah, again, it's, you can't rule out Batman. I mean, I I can, but in this instance, there is a way that the the love could split and you're just kind of like left with it. Yeah. And that's not, that's not me being like, I love this movie. I don't. Mm-hmm. But yeah. typically, it would go to a Best Picture nominee, and now there's four. So mm-hmm. this is not normal. <laughs> no, it really isn't. I mean, you you can honestly say that about a lot of the below the line nominations oh, this yeah. year. Uh, this is this is really a diverse. Well, okay, it's not a diverse list. There's a lot of Best Picture supremacy. In uh, in these categories, but yeah, that worries me a little bit. But yeah. hey, I I mean at least at least Avatar Avatar at least has a woman mm-hmm. in its grouping, which is the only. Well, let me just check. Yeah, the only woman. Yeah, and there's four or five people in this. So you're talking mm-hmm. about twenty people, one nomination. So yeah. It's no, I mean, this is this is I mean, I can definitely see all quiet on the Western front because I mean, if you, you know, it just went BAFTA, it's got some overlap. Mm-hmm. 
it's the big war movie. They do tend to go that way. I mean, 1917 had no problem winning this. And yeah. it's another World War One movie. Mm-hmm. They like war. They they will go with the loudest of everything. Remember, it's not the branches just voting for their winners. So Yeah. So we are going to go now to Best Production Design, which has All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, Babylon, Elvis, and The Fablemans. Uh, another Ugh. another one with four out of five uh, that are Best Picture nominees. Why do you think, because, I mean, Hollywood is typically, especially when it comes to the Academy, it does kind of feel like Hollywood does tend to lean towards movies about Hollywood and movie making. Why do you think Babylon didn't really catch on? I think it's way too divisive. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, and, and I think rightfully, it, it feels very self-indulgent. Yeah. It it's too long. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, it again, it's just it's too long a film. Yeah. No, I would. And I, I also think, like Damien Chazelle, you know, after you become the youngest Oscar winner for Best Director, he probably should have disappeared for three or four years. Like we haven't heard from Inuri too. Yeah. For a long time. Because he knew people are gonna want him to fail. Yeah. He just quietly went about his business, raised his kids, and then come back. That he this guy needed to give us some space instead of giving us this really self-indulgent look what they'll let me do. Yeah. No, um, I, but I will say this for <laughs> oh go ahead. No, I mean I was gonna say you're actually nailing a lot of the things that I feel about Babylon as a as as a whole so um yeah i mean i i actually i very much agree with you on babylon as a movie i was just wanting to wanting to get your uh thoughts on why it didn't get nominated and it's it's all an excellent point yeah um this is really hard i mean i think until we learn that baz lerman is a scumbag and has been doing things that should have got him me too he still wins husband of the year because Catherine martin Mm-hmm. His wife is probably going to take production design again. He, uh, you know, I'll say this: production design and costume design historically do go together. So, yeah. if you're confused on what to do for either of them, pick the same movie. So, Elvis is the big, flashy mm-hmm. film, and he has a good record, even of, um, y- you know with these categories when, you know, the great Gatsby wasn't nominated. Yeah. So his, he can't get the one Oscar nomination he wants, which is director, but right. she's probably on her way to at least her fifth and probably spoiler alert six. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking that this could be an area where Babylon does win, but no. yeah, I mean, Elvis, they, they Elvis being the best they picture. always, yeah, they love their Best Picture nominees in yeah. these categories, and this is one where, even with a war movie and Avatar and the Fablemans, they're not as flashy as Elvis. No, oh no, not not in the least. No, not not in the least. Um, you know, Elvis is, if nothing else, a Baz Luhrmann film. Um, mm-hmm. So we come to uh, Best Makeup and Hairstyling, which is All Quiet on the Western Front, The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, and The Whale. Um, this is 
we we finally have a situation oh, where we only have two Best Picture nominees. Yeah, that's rare in this. That's even rare. That's rare in this category. Um, I'll I'll tell you what. Oh God, who won the Critics' Choice? I'm trying to look that up right now. Oh man, I let's see. Because I'll tell you, this for me is is one of those years where Brendan Fraser needs the whale to win this category. Yeah. Not to jump ahead, but, and I'll explain my thinking on that a little bit later, but he needs the whale to pick this up. He needs the whale to take down Austin Butler and Elvis. Yeah. Now, um, it would just be a very good momentum builder for the film to pick up something else. And I'll explain why later. I'm a little bit stalling because I am, you know, scrolling through the winners because this just popped into my mind that it, yeah. I mean, the, the winner was Elvis at the critics choice. Yeah. I believe that, um, yeah. Elvis won again for makeup and hair. I, I can't not pick Elvis, Mm -hmm. but I'm really, really hoping that it's the whale. And again, this is one where I will say, I will explain the rest of this later. But I did love the overall look of Black Panther, especially mm-hmm. if they just gave this for one sequence, the funeral sequence. Yeah. And the makeup involved. They do mm-hmm. spectacular work in this film. Yeah, and this is... But uh, ew, this one's tough. This is tough because I do think it's Elvis, but Brendan Fraser needs... Yeah, the whale to win this. And this I, I mean, I understand exactly what you're saying because of the fact that I mean, we've seen that we we've seen that actor we'll, makeup. We'll get that in the, we'll yeah, get we've that seen that, that we've seen that yeah. actor Oscar makeup combination several times over the years. So yeah, I, yeah. I understand exactly what you're saying. I'm going to go into detail about that when we get the best actor, but I'm I'm just saying for now. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I I kind of have to go with Elvis, but. I'm kind of secretly rooting for the whale, and I think it is a race between the between Elvis and the whale. Yeah. Um, so now we come to best film editing, which is the Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. For some, we're seeing that in these categories: Tar and Top Gun Maverick. Um, All best picture nominees. Yeah. Which is holy it, Jesus. Um, <laughs> well, this was the one category that that the BAFTA gave it. And I do think this is one of those films where it does kind of live and die in the editing room. So you, I, I think you have to go with everything everywhere. I, I don't see another choice. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I would, the only, the only reason I would might say top gun is because where El because I mean Top Gun is typically considered the movie that brought back people to the movies, which is not really true, but you know, it it's had the most sustained theatrical run we've seen in a very long time. And they may want to reward that. That is my only reason. Well, I think they rewarded it by nominating it. I, I yeah. think they've rewarded it by giving it all these nominations. Because let's face it, it's not like the first one was a Best Picture winner. So yeah, exactly. Um, 
personally, I think it's it's had its moment and just getting to call itself Best Picture yeah. nominee. So, I, I mean, maybe sound. If, if you're just going to give it something to give it something. That's why it I was did thinking, win one Oscar. That's one of the well, things the I was thinking as Oscar. well. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the yeah. things I was just, thinking as well. But, uh, yeah, I mean. Maybe I, original song. That, that we, could be a place. We, we, will, you know? we will get there because I, I definitely wanted to talk to you about uh, that one in particular. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything, just from a pure film craft, I really hope everything everywhere all at once uh, wins. And there just... are some people involved from the first one who are upset with Top Gun because yeah. they weren't brought back. Right. And I kind of understand it. It's like, you know, you've got one of the actresses who's like, you know, I get it. I look my age. He played his love interest in the first Oh, yeah, Kelly McGillis, yeah. Yeah, she's like, you know, I I feel like he could have just given me a phone call. And there's some people in the tech races, too, who are like, you know, the film did get three or four Oscar nominations. I'm looking it up right now. This was before my time. Where maybe it would have been nice just to to give those people a call and say, sorry, we're not bringing you back for this one. Yeah. Because of that. So I could see like there's a little animosity, like maybe the the nominations are the place. Right. Where it's like, okay, we can give it that, but I'm not seeing much overlap in the and I'm just kind of breezing through these names. Yeah, it got three Oscar nominations and one best song. So mm. it's it, I could see some animosity yeah. from these other people who are like, Well, they just replaced all of us, like Yeah. No, that makes a lot a of sense. A phone call from Tom Cruise might have gone a long way to like Yeah. No, that that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> so we come up to uh best costume design and we have Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. And like you said, uh it's all about Catherine Martin here with Elvis and um I mean is as much as I almost kind of want to see them, I mean, even though I'm not a huge fan of the movie as a whole, I did like the look of Babylon. But so either costume design or production design, I would actually be fine with it winning. But like you said, with production design, Catherine Martin is an Academy, is an Academy she, favorite. She's never just won once. That's, that's the irony of this, is that if she wins, she takes both. Yeah. <laughs> She either wins them both or loses. Yeah. So, um, but I will say, like, this is usually one of the only categories where being a Best Picture nominee doesn't give you an ex- a big advantage. And luckily for her, there's only two. Yeah. And one of them isn't really, I, I mean, the costumes are very impressive in parts for everything everywhere. But mm-hmm. I could see how Ruth Carter could take this especially for the funeral sequences in this film. Yeah. But it's a big hurdle to do this with Elvis standing in your way and Catherine Martin. But Ruth Carter is beloved. Mm-hmm. And she won I for the first think, one as well. I, I, and you know what? I was like, how is she going to top this? Because she's going to have... And, and those funeral sequences do give her the chance. Yeah. The underground world gives her the chance. Mm-hmm. But it's it's a big deal to overcome a Best Picture nominee that's got someone as really respected as her, Catherine Martin is. Yeah. So I, 
I, I wouldn't be surprised because you never, you, they might not want to give Elvis like a dozen awards. So mm-hmm. maybe, but I would go with Elvis and then I would say, look out for Black Panther. Yeah. But it was lovely to see a contemporary film win this because it gives hope to everyone. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, they really didn't, you know, finally just go for the most costume, the, you know, the, the oldest costumed film. Right. No, that's, so. that is a, yeah, that is a good point. So uh, we come to Best Cinematography, which is All Quiet on oh. the Western Front, Bardo, Elvis, Empire of Light, and Tar. And honestly, this is a very surprising category, not because of who is nominated, but who isn't nominated. Because oh, we do not get uh, the Batman. We do not get everything everywhere all at once. We don't have the Fablemans. We don't have Avatar the way of water um yeah i i think that's the one thing that i still and we'll get to that but it is kind of a weird list i mean i don't care about the batman getting nominated okay you left him out whatever um damn it this is hard for me this one's really hard for me because i'm looking at this list and i really want mandy walker to win i really want so i really want to see a woman win this Ever since Rachel Morrison was nominated, I've, mm-hmm. I've been, I had to wait four years in between that. That's too long yeah. to go. I, I always said that Roger Deakins was lucky the names weren't put on the ballot because he might not have won that race that year mm-hmm. if they 100% knew which film was direct, which cinemat- the cinematography was from a woman. Yeah. Um, I think this is another All Quiet on the Western Front. Mm-hmm. And this is, even though um, I don't think Netflix is obviously going to get their best picture win, again, it looks really good when you take down a couple of tech wards, you win maybe, you know, two other feature prizes, you possibly, you know, take a few, take a few shorts, one or one or two of the shorts. Mm -hmm. They're slowly building up to being a big player in the game. Yeah. Yeah, but definitely. if they called Elvis, as much as I, I'm not a fan of that movie, I, I kind of still want to see it. Over, you know, I mean, Elvis, like I said, Elvis is one of those movies I don't love overall, but I, I do respect the craft of it. And the cinematography is a big part of it. And I, I do think there are some fantastic cinematography in Elvis. Um, I know my top two in this category are Bardo and Tarn, I know neither of those are going to win. I can definitely well, see fight on the Western just, Front, though. Yeah, Bardo is unfortunately just out of the race because only one non-Best Picture nominee has ever won this category, and that was Roger Deakins for 2049. Yeah. When that was the campaign. So, like, there is a way to win an Oscar. You know, we'll get to it in a minute, but... Yeah. You you can win a tech race with a very concentrated campaign. Mm-hmm. So we are going to go now to, we're going to stay in the tech categories. We're going to go to best original score, which if you know me, it is a is one that I follow very uh, prominently. We have All Quiet on the Western Front. We have Babylon. We have the Banshees of Inishirin. We have Everything Everywhere All at Once. And we have the Fablemen. Um, well, take out Babylon because only two films outside of the Best Picture have 
won, and one of them was the animated feature winner, mm-hmm. and which I would put an asterisk by because we do know the music branch, especially in song, you know, will go animated. But and then also the other one was uh, the Hateful Eight. Yeah. Oh wow, I forgot so, about that. Yeah. So so I don't think they're going to give Justin Hurwitz a second Oscar any this that easily. So that leaves you with four. Uh, and I really thought this was going to be the goodbye tour for John Williams at the beginning. And I know. So that, I, know, I really right? thought this was going to, and it could still be, it could still be because we don't know uh, I, what's going to happen because we don't usually get this many in there. I, I'm actually, I will say I'm actually, I, I have very mixed feelings about the score for Babylon. So I'm actually kind of grateful for you thinking <laughs> that it's not going to win because as, as much as I, I, I like listening to the score, I don't think it really adds a whole heck of a lot to the movie, and I think the rest of these do. So I'm actually kind of glad to hear you think that it probably will not win. So, um, you know, I, I don't think... I, I can't... As much as I love Kerber, well, and really want him to win, I can't imagine Banshees of Inish Aaron is going to win. Um, no... Uh, I'm surprised everything everywhere has landed earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I kind of have to go with the BAFTA winner. I know I'm super boring. <laughs> I mean, I, All I quiet think that's, on the Western. I, I think that makes sense. I, I do think that yeah, makes sense. No. I mean, I, I would love to see John Williams win for the Fablements because I thought he, it, it I, is a I very strong possibility. His, I do because think you his, have the Academy as a whole. I, I do think his score is just subtly beautiful and one of his absolute mm-hmm. best, uh, especially in recent years. So we come to Best Original Song, and we have Applause from Tell It Like oh, a Woman gosh. by Diane Warren. We have Hold My Hand from Top Gun. Lift Me Up from Black Panther. Not Too, Not Too from RRR. And This Is a Life from Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Um the one thing I wanted to ask you about RRR, I know why it didn't get nominated for Best International Film because India did not select it as its contender. Um, why do you think it didn't land with the Academy in general? Uh, I, I mean, there's just so many movies. And when the Academy doesn't have to see it for an international feature, I think it just kind of got pigeonholed, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. Um, and you have to remember that the song branch is very, very part. I mean, you have to go to a ballroom in California, listen to these songs and rank them, and then they pick their top five. Like, this is mm. a very complicated procedure getting nominated. This is the, also the other category where being a Best Picture nominee from a Best Picture nominee gives you no advantage. Yeah. You will lose. Mm. Most of the time. Yeah. Um, that being said, this is also a category which has really illustrated Netflix's weakness. Mm-hmm. They have had multiple chances to win this category when all they had to do was, for example, Diane Warren won the Golden Globe for that foreign language film a few years uh, during 2022, I believe, 2020 one. And really, if they had just ran a campaign saying, give Diane Warren her, her Oscar, 
She'd ha- no, but I- I'm not wrong. She'd have it. They, oh, no. They would have had this category for Mudbound if they just said, if you're not going to vote for Mary J. Blige <sighs> for Best Supporting Actress, why not just give her Best Song? Right. This, they, they had one year, the year of Diane Warren's nomination, three of the nominees, and they still couldn't get, they still couldn't stumble onto a winner. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the problem with Netflix campaign is they're all over the place. If they focused on giving some, like saying, hey, do this, do this, do this, they, they, could, they could do a lot better. Now, I think the momentum is with Not To Not To, yeah. But it's really hard to to overlook their recent trend of awarding stars of the moment. They went a- through like that early 90s, 2000 yeah. trend where it was like the older musician, your Bob Dylan, your Elton Johns. But they really all of a sudden want to give you Adele and Sam Smith. Yeah. No, that's one of the things I Oscars. kind of wanted to talk to you about when it comes to this category because – there are some times where they go with the stars, with the big names, mm-hmm. and then there are some times where you just, it seems like they come out of nowhere with their winner. Now, I mean, yeah, and they don't to, always go. The problem not to not to have is they don't like to give this to songs not in the English language. Yeah. Yeah. And the song from Slumdog Millionaire, Jai Ho, wasn't a Best Picture winner. Mm hmm. Um, it's very, very rare to overcome that. That's, you know, that's what tripped up Diane Warren. I mean, she never went into the Oscars with the precursor win. Yeah. Like, that's that's a big deal for her. That was a very big chance for her. Oh, that so pisses me off about Netflix. Sorry. But <laughs> um, I'm still surprised that Rihanna lost the Golden Globe. That, that's just really hard for me. Mm-hmm. And Natu Natu has won. And yeah, the five have changed, but Hold My Hand and Lift Me Up haven't taken anything. Yeah. But you never can, you can never really count them out. And Rihanna's going to show up. So, yeah. you know, she, her people were smart enough to make sure that it was announced. Mm-hmm. Did she perform it during the Super Bowl? I was sick. So I, I don't like, know that she, pl- I don't know if she performed it during the Super Bowl, but I have been that thinking been that, idea. I have been thinking that because of that Super Bowl performance, you could see her, that momentum from that Super Bowl performance carrying over. Yeah, I think it's too early to give Lady Gaga a second Oscar. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's not impossible. Um, again, this is the one category that Top Gun won the first time. Why don't you write a song with Diane Warren again? Come on, like. Well, and it's interesting. Anyways, of, well, and it's interesting because of the fact that I I love "Hold My Hand" as a song. I think it's a yeah. terrific song, but it didn't take off as like the song of the summer from a movie, the way well, I think it, a lot it, of people expected it to be. There's also that other, wasn't there a One Republic or there was another yeah, song that was a yeah, lot it was, more it was, it was the one, yeah, it was the One Republic song that was more the yeah, radio yeah. hit. Well, and that's because it is more upbeat. It's summer. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we're all shaking like a Polaroid picture for a while and it's not mm. hard to understand why that happened. But it's, it is... I would say not to, not to, but I, I would not 
the surprise of that beautiful tribute to Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. But I could also see how they might not want to give Ryan Coogler his Oscar that way. Yeah. Like, I, I could just see that where it's like, sorry, bud, we know your, your film is coming. Yeah. We're not, we're not going to cheapen you with this. I, I think that's I, I think that's a very very fair assessment about that. But uh, yeah, it, it's I mean I I want to say Natu Natu is going to be it going is to very be the winner, I watched it on YouTube. But, but at the same time, it's like you just and for exactly the same re- the reason you said as far as the fact that it's in a foreign language. And, you know, then you have... It's not xenophobic to point out the Academy's voting trends. That's all I'm saying. No, it isn't. No. If you go on the Wikipedia page for Best Original Song, they make a special note of of that themselves. It's like, there's only been three. Yeah. In 94 years. So Mm. you want to really take that bet when one of them was attached to the biggest picture... Yeah. To a best picture winner. It's like, okay. I mean, the thing is, it's like, I know this, and we haven't even talked about the uh, Everything Everywhere All At Once one, which is a good song, but I just don't, and while I think a lot of people agree that it works with the film, it's not necessarily something you remember either. This song hasn't gotten nominated anywhere else. This is like an 11th hour. Yeah nomination for it i i was really pissed that good good afternoon from spirited i just <laughs> love that Pasek and paul i thought that movie was brilliant it's just such a shame they have a bias against christmas movies because that should have been a golden globe nominee mm-hmm. that was the most charming film i would have just loved to have seen ryan reynolds and and will ferrell get up there on the stage and sing that song yeah but, you know, I, I don't get to pick the nominees. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I would say Not To Not To has the kind of momentum. It's got a lot of views just on YouTube. I think people are just going online to look it up. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think it's either that or probably the Rihanna song. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, I think, have too many problems. Yeah. So, um... Poor going... Diane Warren. They need to give her her fucking Emmy. Her fucking Oscar. Yeah. That's not... That I, is I'm a sorry, competitive but... Oscar. Yeah, and, and, like, I was pissed off. I'm like, if I were her, I would not have accepted that at, at this point. But really, someone's going to run the right campaign. But she's just had the shittiest, excuse my language, timing. Because she always loses to, like, yeah, you know, my heart will go on. I think she lost the Top Gun before. I'm not 100% hmm. sure. But, yeah, she's, she's not... <laughs> Ah, it's, it's a hard, hard road for her, but I, I, you know, she doesn't even have the Grammys she would have. And one thing I will say, since we are an original song and we're talking about all these like songwriters, the one thing that like Stephen Sondheim has that like, you know, Lin-Manuel Miranda doesn't have or Pasek and Paul don't have. And that's a top four Grammy win. Mm-hmm. Just throwing out that, that out there. That's what makes you a great songwriter is if you do songs for movies or Broadway and you can get like a Stephen Sondheim or an Alan Menken who can, you know, yeah. take best original song. That's, mm. that's when you know you've really broken through into the zeitgeist, not Rihanna getting her song in there. But right. That's my little, you know, in, in memoriam to, to Stephen Sondheim is say what you want. Mm-hmm. 
but he has something that all those other composers are, are still chasing right now who are coming into their own. We do have a lot of great ones out there right now. They don't have a top four Grammy. Yeah. All right. So we are. I know you to... like music. So no, that's, that's my fine. Music thing. That's fine. I, I only I, care about the categories on the Grammys that they never tell of. <laughs> so I'm like, what one best Broadway recording? Like, <laughs> so we are going to go now to best documentary feature, which is All That Breathes, All the Beauty in the Bloodshed, Fire of Love, A House Made of Splinters, and Navalny. Um, I haven't seen, so I haven't seen the last two, but I've seen the other three. And I, I know I've seen some people predict Navalny would win, but I almost want to say Fire of Love. I, I feel like that one might be, that one could be the choice. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Uh... My thoughts are usually go with the Netflix or the one on HBO Max. Hmm. Um, I know Navalny's coming off fast up with a win. So that's always helpful. But I, I always like, especially with these shorts and the documentary features, it, it really does help to be um, uh, on a streaming or, yeah. or, or so, you know, even if it's, it just helps to see, to have people have access to them early on. Yeah. But I, right now, I'm, I think I am going to go with Navalny. That was the one I, I gravitate towards. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I still need to catch up with that on HBO Max. I just watched All That Breathes on uh, HBO Max because it just landed on there this past week or yeah, and now. I mean, this is a very yeah. timely documentary about, you know, I, I watched Navalny and, you know, it's about, it's about the poisoning and, mm -hmm. you know, it gives them a chance to do the anti-Russia thing. Yeah. So, and I, I'm surprised that they like completely banned Russia because they had no problem awarding the Soviet Union back when it was foreign language film, foreign language. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I get it. We're in the middle of this, but it, it yeah. is a little, not like anyone's watching any Russian films anyways, but still. Right. Um, so now we come to Best International Feature, which is All Quiet on the Western Front, Argentina 1985, Close, EO, and The Quiet Girl. I mean, I All just, Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. I mean, just because Don't of the sheer amount. think about it. Yeah. Just because of the sheer amount of other nominations. I mean, here's the reason why the you Western have to Front. pick All Quiet on the Western Front. Until there's two foreign language films nominated. Yeah. You have to, or International Features has two, two films in that category. A movie nominated for Best Picture has never lost International Feature. Yeah. Never happens. Mm -hmm. So you have to go with All Quiet on the Western Front. Don't screw up yeah. your Oscar prediction pool by picking, thinking by making some weird prediction. Yeah. No, this is going to Germany. I think the original, the Grand Illusion, which is, you know, with the first original, there's a lot of ties to All Quiet on the Western Front. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah it, yeah, it was one of the first 
I mean, you're kind of. I don't need to take. I don't need to give you my film 101. Yeah, no. I mean, yeah, it like like she said, if it's nominated for best picture in international feature film category, go ahead and just write in pen for the uh Yeah, don't Oscar. think. Just just do it. And that could actually be said about the next category, best animated feature as well. Uh we have Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Uh, the Sea Beast and Turning Red. And even though none of these films are nominated for Best uh, Picture, this is another Netflix win, I feel like, for Pinocchio. Yeah, yeah. Netflix is going to have a big night. It's not going to take Best Picture, but it's going to have a big night. Yeah. Um, just just go ahead and mark and pen. Yeah. I do yeah, wish, Del Toro. I, I do wish, uh, I mean, I do kind of wish this uh, this category would get away from just, like, more family-centric type films. I mean, well, this is Pinocchio good to do it. Well, and Pinocchio is certainly a dark adaptation. It's definitely not Disney. But, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking of stuff like, um, I'm, I'm thinking of along the lines of Richard Linklater's animated films. I'm thinking about... Uh, Mad God, Phil Tippett's movie from this past year, which never will have had a chance, but it's it's still a tremendous piece of animated filmmaking that I would love to see get nominated. But yeah, I mean, Pinocchio is is a lock there. It basically, it I feel like it's lost yet. So. Yeah, and it's basically been that way. I feel like since the movie came out, so. Um, we are now coming up to the major categories, and we are going to start with Best Adapted Screenplay, All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, Living, Top Gun, Maverick, and Women Talking. So you can't win this category without being nominated for Best Picture. So do not pick Living. Sorry. Thank you for playing. And Glass Onions, again. Yeah. Thank you for playing. <laughs> I loved your film. But no, 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 no. Don't pick either of those two. Um, yeah. My personal preference would be women talking. I thought it was more like a play. It mm -hmm. felt almost like a play to me. And that has had problems in the past. We, we you know, Steve Jobs, um, I don't think The Hateful Eight was even nominated, where that really felt like a, you know. Yeah. No, this I don't feels think like to me, like you put this on Broadway, it's like, yeah. oh my God, everybody's going to win a friggin' award. Um, oh, I want Sarah Polly to win this. I don't want to go 13, 14 years in between women winning this category. It's yeah. so hard because mm. you have All Quiet on the Western Front and then you have women talking and I... Mm, uh, you know, it's hard to win this category. Mm -hmm. Oh God. Is Sarah Polly WGA nominated? Ah, that is a good question. Let's look that up. I'm just putting in women and talking. Like she, I said, didn't it's, she, did she, I can't remember. I, I know I looked it up. I know I looked it up earlier in the award season. Did she get nominated for screenplay for away from her? No. Yeah, I, I, I can Oh, remember. yes, yes, she yeah, was. Yeah, she did. I'm sorry. So yes, she, she is was. A sorry, I thought she was a... Yeah, she, it is yeah. nominated for Writers Guild. 
yeah, she is nominated for Writers Guild for this. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm guessing that I, I'm just pulling up the WGA nominees right now, or I'm trying to. My internet's not behaving itself. But um, I'm guessing All Quiet is not. That would be my guess. Uh, yeah. I'm, like I said, I'm pulling that up right now. But I'm thinking... I need a reason is what I'm trying yeah, to get to. Yeah. I, I need a reason to pick her to win. Mm-hmm. And for that to happen, I need her to, I need her to win the writer skill award. Yeah. Plus, I mean, not because I think there's a lot of translation between the two. Yeah. But almost as the, like an excuse for me to pick her. No, I, 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 <laughs> I know hear that, you. Like, and I, that's a week that's that can be a week reason but but um, honestly i'm with you i absolutely want her to win for this because a i think it's a tremendous film yeah and it's and all quiet is not nominated so it's it's shameful that this film has not gotten the respect it deserves over it's a tough watch it is it reminds me of children of men it's a really Really tough watch. Now, without All Quiet on the Western Front, she needs a win. If she yeah. can win there, I, I would feel comfortable predicting her. Yeah. But without a win, I can't even entertain that as an idea because she hasn't won anything else. And that's, that's is, where my problem... Yeah. Well, she did win the Critics' Choice. Mm-hmm. But there's no overlap. I need there to be like a percentage of an overlap. Yeah. And you know, adapted screenplay, the critics' choice didn't have all quiet on the Western Front. So mm-hmm. I need I need her to win one award where there may be an Oscar voter involved for me to pick her. Yeah. So we are we now come to best original screenplay, which is all best picture. Nominees, uh, The Banshees of Inisherin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle Sadness. First time we've seen that title tonight. Um, I, I mean, I can't imagine it being anything other than Everything Everywhere All at Once, but at the same time... I disagree with you. You think Banshees of Inisherin? I do. I think we're going to see the same kind of split we saw with Belfast, where it's like, okay, we're going to get the we're going to give the Daniels this very young young directing duo director, right? But but Marna McDonough is a writer, yeah, and he's an actor's writer, mm-hmm. and unlike last time, he's nominated for screenplay, and or sorry, nominated for director, yeah, and he won BAFTA. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah, I okay. this time I think he will take screenplay. Because I cause, think this might be Banshee's one award, but I do think Martin McDonough will take. I think they're going to give Martin McDonough an Oscar. Okay, that that's interesting because I did feel I I would love to see it win for this because I I think it is as much as I love everything everywhere all at once I I do think Banshee I I think all of these. I, I think well I okay, I think four of these five nominees are uh would be deserving winners. I'm not a huge fan of triangle sadness overall. But um I I would but yeah, I mean between the other four I do feel like everything everywhere all once and Banshees of Inishiran would certainly make the most sense. 
Yeah. So the, and and I know you that... say that you think that Banshees could win is is good to see. And I, I do kind of I see definitely see where you're coming from with the fact that them they're going to win director. And yeah. so yeah, uh, I mean, I know they're probably going to win the WGA, but uh, without yeah. Martin McDonough there, even they have to know this This does not count for anything. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I know the Critics' Choice went his way, went to the Daniels, the Globes went... Uh, he didn't win BAFTA last time, so I, I feel like Martin McDonough's got a little bit more momentum mm-hmm. going this time. The film's not as controversial Uh you know, you know, he got the director nomination. How over James Cameron? Yeah, no, that's and Baz Luhrmann. Mm-hmm. So there is some respect there, and I think that even though the film got skunked at SAG, I think actors liked him. I, I mean, they they liked his film enough to nominate four of them. Yeah, no, that that is absolutely true. And as we get into the acting uh, nominations, oh, it's it's fascinating the fact that we have two movies with four nominations each. I mean, yeah. when was the last time? I mean, we've, we've had, we've certainly had other cases where one movie has had you four nominations each, but the having multiple films do that is quite extraordinary. Yeah. You've got to go way, way back. Um, yeah. This is not in, I mean, I feel like somebody's put sand in my like. I feel like a computer with these things. You know, I just kind of yeah. analyze the facts and I try to keep my emotions out of this. Mm-hmm. But I feel like somebody's put put sand in like the hard drive, and I'm like beep boop beep boop beep. I don't know. Yeah. So we <laughs> I'm are like, going you tell to me who's going to win. Oh, oh, can you we know, start with supporting I, I, actor. <laughs> we can we can <laughs> start with best one. supporting actor because. Yeah, and I was gonna say it's like you you said after the SAG Awards that all four of the acting races got really interesting. I'm like, did it? Because I kind of feel like Best Sporting Actor kind of got a little bit more solidified by the fact that Kate well, won one. So we haven't had one where there's been like we've all decided that so and so is going to win this category and they've won everything. Yeah. Um that's that's my point with that. It's like they're all, you know, as much as I want to say Keith Taekwon, no, no doubt. I have some doubt. Like Meryl Street, I have doubt. Yeah. I will just rewatch <laughs> that movie. Once once a year I like to watch Doubt because I just love to watch Viola Davis like, you know, go one scene up against Meryl Streep and win. Yeah. Um, but that's that's we can talk about Viola later, but Go ahead and give them the nominees for supporting actor. Uh, so Brendan Gleeson, Brendan of our Banshees of Inisherin, Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for Fablemans, Barry Kagan for Banshees of Inisherin, and Kehu Kwan for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I mean, I you know the thing is, it's like I know Gleeson has won some not some has some wins for Banshees, and I know Kagan won BAFTA. But I how just, the hell did that happen? I, mean, I, I know I, how it I just, his character is more likable, but I I feel like <sighs> this is a case where they're Hollywood's going to want the comeback story, and there are a couple of potential ones, but I feel like Kehu Kwan is definitely the most likely of the two to happen. Yeah, I think that if you look at the major awards, the only thing he lost was BAFTA. Yeah. Um. 
And the good news for him is BAFTA didn't have final say this time. Yeah. So we don't know if it, we don't know, and I'll just say this right now. So we basically, typically it goes SAG, and then like two weeks later we have BAFTA. Mm-hmm. This year we had BAFTA, and then two weeks later SAG. Yeah. So we don't know if having the final say is what's tipped these races. So we don't know if Olivia Coleman won BAFTA and got up there and was her bubbly self and gave this, you know, very adorable acceptance speech for the favorite. And then two weeks later, Glenn Close gave an acceptance speech. Glenn Close hopefully isn't listening to this because they'll drive her to drink. But <laughs> we don't know if yeah. that would have made a difference. Right. We just don't know. Mm-hmm. With that being said, the good news is, is that it's been, it's been a little time. Kihai Kwan has given another really decent acceptance speech. Um, so it, I'm so surprised they didn't go Brendan Gleeson, but I think his character is too unlikable. I think, honestly, yeah. that's what it comes down to. Yeah. When you're self-mutilating yourself and you're mm-hmm. getting drunk, it's like, seriously, dude, you need to dial it back. Yeah, I think he for, needs like lithium or I, something. I, I yeah, I think for I think for Gleason in this case the nomination is the reward because I and I mean it's almost I do feel like it's kind of overdue with him because he's been doing tremendous work over the years. But I thought the same that with time, his son also Golden Globe nominated, they would have awarded him. Yeah, I really honestly believe that like with him and Domin Hall Gleason both nominated and sitting at the same table. Like they would have just given him that big moment mm-hmm. at the Globes, but then I started thinking about it on my second watch, and I'm like, oh no, his character's too unlikable. And Barry Keegan, you yeah. just like the guy. You can't yeah. help but like him. But good for Apple TV Plus. Freaking cause Brian Tyler. Yeah, yeah, and he's, and he's it's not terrific J-Law. in the film. Like he is. They didn't go for J Law, so we have to really. They really obviously. He doesn't have 400 friends throwing screeners for him. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Um, We're going to get to it, but I'm just saying, you know, sometimes just being on a streamer helps. And obviously, obviously people saw Causeway and they probably did see it like I did. I was like, oh, Jennifer Lawrence is in this. It's Christmas Day. I got to watch something. Okay. And then you're like Brian Tyree Henry, Brian Tyree Henry, Brian Tyree Henry. I mean, I I love Brian Tyree Henry. Oh, my God. I've, I've talked about it on he's other great podcasts. at everything he does i've talked about it on other podcasts so he's probably one of my favorite character actors and supporting actors and movies i think he's got I, two he's emmy nominees he's got two emmy nominations for atlanta and he was on this is us yeah yeah but yeah he's yeah. really he's good i i do feel Hopefully. yeah i mean i do feel I mean, I like feel this bad is, for paul dano i really do yeah. feel bad after that sag nomination it's like what does this young man need to do yeah. I'm not young anymore. But I, I, this actor deserves some recognition because, I, I mean, just what he did in the Batman, like that whole movie is like, they needed more of him. Mm-hmm. I, I love... He was amazing. I love In his Judd 10 Hirsch. minutes of screen time. Yeah. I love Judd Hirsch and the Fablemans, but I will have definitely uh, switched out him with Paul Dano if it was between the two. I, I think... Paul Dano and the Fablemans was just unbelievable. Yeah, I I agree with you, and I I, I just don't understand what it's going to take for him to land. Yeah, if that makes sense. No, it um, does. It does. Because um, you know, when you think about there will be blood and and um, 
Little Miss Sunshine yeah. and everything. It's just like, what mm-hmm. is it going to take to break through for him? Yeah. No, I mean, <sighs> ab- absolutely. Uh, so we are now going to go to Best Supporting Actress, which is always, is always, always <laughs> feels like it's better when it's more chaotic and you can't quite figure out which He's- way they're going to go. Um, you have Angelo Bassett Just for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, yeah. Hong Chow for The Whale, uh, Carrie Condon for Banshees of Inisherin, and Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Sue for both for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. I feel like Hong Chow is the only one that you can probably categorically say that she's not going to win, which is disappointing because I think she's fantastic in that film. But yeah, but I think it's also Stephanie Hsu. You can yeah. you you can go ahead and God, this category is good though. Oh my <laughs> god, just draw a name out of the out of the other three, and I'll just make the argument for it. And see, um, I was and see, I was thinking that maybe Carrie Condon could win here as the one win for Banshees, but I can I can see her here winning here the, as well as screenplay as well. Here is the problem that both her and Bassett have is that on the night it mattered the most in the 40, in the two minutes it mattered the most in her career, Jamie Lee Curtis delivered the performance of her life. Yeah. The last, at that sat, she delivered the performance of her life as the closing argument to supporting actress. She has no shame about being a Nepo baby. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, she went the opposite of Laura Dern with your parents can be your heroes. Yeah. You know, my parents hated each other at the end. But, but um, yeah, on the night it mattered the most in her career, Jamie Lee Curtis did what most people couldn't do. And, you know, Angela Bassett had her chance. Yeah. And she was there, but she rambled on 10 extra seconds with her, I got to thank all my people for stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, here's the thing we don't know is does it matter that BAFTA followed SAG? Yeah. It worries me about Carrie Condon and but you know the one other thing that makes me a little less worried is Banshee's had a really good night. Mm-hmm. And yes, the film is in Ireland, but you know. Something about being in Ireland or England or Scotland. Oh, yeah. When it comes yeah. to the BAFTAs, they really treat that as like one. It doesn't matter if you're in Northern or Southern Ireland. They really just kind of lump all three together mm-hmm. They and and go with flag waving. When I say when people are like, but he's Irish. I'm like, not in the eyes of BAFTA. If you've got the right accent, mm-hmm. you're, you're in. So for her... It is, she's still got a chance, but she's, she's kind of lost momentum. Yeah. She needs, I don't think she can get past Bassett and Curtis. And what Bassett did was very strategic because she took a feather, she took a, she took a note out of Regina King's playbook, which is, she's like, if I'm not going to win BAFTA, I need to be on the stage. So she presented at BAFTA. So they, they might not remember who won, but they may remember seeing her in her beautiful lilac dress. Mm-hmm. 
you know, she presented director. They, they might remember seeing her there. So it, it is hard because Jamie Lee Curtis did give the closing argument. Yeah. And who wouldn't want to see her tongue kiss Michelle yell at me? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I just, you know, she's worked with so many people. Yeah. It's so hard. I, I keep going back and forth between these because I picked her to win the Golden Globe thinking she's, you know, they loved children of celebrities. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I keep going back and forth. Literally, I could pick a name out of a hat out of those three and, and probably have as close of a chance. Yeah. Of being correct. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, it's one right of those now, things. I'm, I'm thinking Curtis, but I, I can't, I can't remember a race that's been this chaotic and Angela Bassett. Yeah. She's won the critics choice and the golden globe, but there's not a single member with overlap between those two with the Oscars. Yeah. And, and, in especially in the acting categories, it is kind of important to remember that actors make up the vast majority of the academy. Mm-hmm. So that is always an important thing. And then to you also you also have to remember no film that's won three acting awards has ever won Best Picture. Mm-hmm. So this also becomes a point where you have to strategically start making your predictions. Like, okay, yeah. we all know everything everywhere is winning Best Picture. Yes. So how good of a night is everything everywhere really going to have? And that's one of the things that I did kind of want to get to because a lot of people mention the fact that like we could see a film that wins Best Picture that wins more than four Oscars for the first time since, I think, about Slumdog Millionaire, I think, is the last one. Well, last Birdman, Birdman won cinematography, writing, directing, and picture, so it won four. Yeah, but I don't think I don't yeah. think anything has yeah. won more than four that won Best Picture since Slumdog. I think that was it. I, I'd have to look through the list, but yeah, you might be you might be right. It's maybe the artist, but I think the that artist, I don't think no that, no that. No. I think because I think that just that only one. I think it went costumes and and then like director, yeah, um, actor, yeah. But yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's been a while. But the point is, it's been a while since we've had that's that. Where, that's what, yeah. But I maybe they don't fill their ballot out that way. We don't, yeah. we don't know a hundred percent of the way. No, the acting branch makes up the largest branch. But when you've won PGA, DJ, SAG, you've won the Best Picture. Oh yeah, I'm I'm completely. I yeah, I mean, we we haven't gotten there yet, shocked. but yeah, it would be the upset of the this night the if, at this point if this is, everything everywhere all once did not win Best Picture. This is the opposite of the problem last year when we were talking about the power of the dog. Where I'm like, yeah, it's going to win Best Director. What else is it going to win? Exactly. Yeah. Like that's how we knew Coda was going to take it is because <laughs> it's going to win screenplay and supporting actor. Yeah. Power of the Dog can't get one other guild behind it. It's like we know everything everywhere is going to win Best Picture. Okay, well, starting at the top, what else is it going to win? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's one of those How many more? I'm... How many more is it going to win? That's why I can't predict it to win screenplay yeah. because I think it's going to win editing. Mm-hmm. And you take I mean, away all those other little tech categories and then you still, you still have it winning. If we, right now we have it winning, let's just say, picture. We've the... gone over editing. 
and we've said supporting, supporting actor. actor. That's three. Probably right director, which we haven't well, gone over yet. I'm just going over category. Yeah, yeah, I'm just saying categories right now that we've we've gone over, include and not best picture yet, but and there's a possibility we've got a wedding. And there's a possibility for supporting actors as well. So yeah, yeah. I mean, to your point, as far as a movie that wins three acting awards, um, but we will get there. We will we will get to best actor. And that hasn't happened since a streetcar named Desire. Yeah, it's been like yeah. I wasn't born. Nobody, oh, you know. Yeah, me, I'm I'm I old, but I'm not that a- old. Um, <laughs> I wasn't a thought on the radar when that happened. Exactly. Um, like none of us were around. When this- yeah. No. <laughs> but uh, so we are. We are. We're going to. We're going to hold off on best actors for a bit, and we're going to go best actor, which is. Well, wait, 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 wait. Who's your supporting actress pick? I, I right now I'm going with Jamie Lee Curtis with no. See, I was thinking, I, I, was thinking Condon. I was thinking Condon, but the more you talked about with Jamie Lee Curtis, I, I can very much see her winning. I, I do think yeah. and it's she's it's, just so damn likable. You just can't she, help but and, wanna and the thing to and the thing to keep in mind with her is that she's been supportive, like she's been a huge cheerleader for the film. It's, mm-hmm. And it's not just because of her, it's because of everybody involved. And I think that... She's practically that, got Stephanie Sue nominated. Like, she yeah, was just that out there. that has to play a role into it. And I... Yeah, I mean, when you think about all of the people she's worked with over the years, you think about all of the overlap between SAG and the Academy. Yeah, I, I think you could very well see her win. Well, the one thing you can say that could be a hindrance to Curtis is that she has done a lot of TV lately. Yeah. And we do know SAG has some overlap with the television voters. Oh, yeah. yeah. So we don't, we, you know, it's, it's the same thing with Glenn Close. Mm-hmm. You just never know how many of those folks voted for her because they, you know, she feels more like one of them. Yeah. Although that wouldn't be a reason not to vote for Bassett, but she's because she's done her share of it too. But still, mm-hmm. it, it's it's one of those things where you can't, even with Condon, you know, if he had just won it and had been her and they won screenplay and British film, yeah, I probably would pick her myself. But it's like they won British film, they won adapted screenplay. Yeah. Barry Keegan won. It's like, oh, jeez. Yeah. Oh, my God. Like, this is not, this is, they, they were like right at overkill. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to win. I thought we'll get to it in a minute, but I thought it was going to win picture and then also something else. But yeah. we'll, I'll let you segue to that. We'll man. get there. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll get to uh best actor, which this is, this is a, this is quite, all of these acting. I mean, we'll, we'll get to best actors and any controversy surrounding best actors. All, all of these categories are actually very well, Round in terms of the performances. I don't, mm-hmm. I mean, I know a lot of people have said, oh, Jamie Lee Curtis, it's not that big of a role. What is she even doing there? She's but the a fact freaking is, she's, amazing. She, she's really good in a largely comedic role that also has some seriousness, which is something to be said for that. And that's something yeah. that kind of plays into 
especially with supporting actors. Like supporting actors has been a place where if you've got that combination of comedy and drama, it improves your odds. Yeah, it's a it's a far more showier role than yeah. I would say <clears throat> Bassett or even Carrie Condon have because yeah. the girl gets to be crazy. So best actor, we have Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for the Banshees of Inisherin, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Miscal for After Sun, and Bill Nye for Living. For a while this seemed like a three actor race. And then it Colin still Farrell could be. I guess, yeah, I mean, I guess so, but Colin Farrell's kind of fallen off a bit. And Well, he, I think the one thing we can say is, Bill Nye, I hope you enjoy being a nomination. He's a long, long-running, you know, yeah. actor. This might, I, I hope it's not his only nomination, but he is a little up there in age. Yeah. That being said, congratulations for you. Paul Mescal, I hope this is not the only time we see you. Um. Then there were three. Yeah. The, the <laughs> thing I will say is that, you know, Brendan Frey, you know, the Globes were in this damned if they do, damned if they don't position. They decided to go with Butler, which I honestly, when I look at the nominees, that was probably, even if the other, I mean, Bill Nye was nominated, but he didn't go. Yeah. Um, that was probably the only one who would have been able to accept it and not say something given everything that's going, that happened. Yeah. Because he's the because you know if it had been like Hugh Jackman, he probably couldn't have accepted it in good conscience, knowing you know mm. the biggest competitor has this really sordid, yeah. sordid affair with it. Whereas a thirty-year-old in their breakout role is going to be like, "Screw you! I'm going to take my award." Yeah. Now the worst thing for Brendan Fraser happened at the at the Baftas when I was thinking. And I felt really bad for Paul Farrell because I thought he was going to win after, after it won both supporting. Mm -hmm. The best thing that could have happened for Brendan Fraser if he was going to lose BAFTA was to have lost to Colin Farrell because we could have said, well, that darn old accent, it won, Brit it won British film, it won screenplay. Hell, it probably was very close to winning picture. Yeah. So you can't write it off as flag-waving. The one thing that, and I got a lot of flack about saying Austin Butler's, they're going to slap the stud. And people did say, well, Nicholas Cage won and he was only 32 and Rami Malek was on the younger side and Eddie Redmayne was younger. And I would say, yes, you, you are right. But the difference is it wasn't their breakthrough role. Yeah. It wasn't the first time we've seen them. Emmy winner, Rami Malek. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, Eddie Redmayne had been in two Best Picture <clears throat> nominees beforehand. Uh, you know, Nicolas Cage had been in a Best Picture nominee beforehand. Mm -hmm. Moonstruck. Yeah. Might have been another one, but I, I love Moonstruck. This is the time of year when, you know, all those old Best Picture nominees <laughs> and winners are on. And I don't know why, but if you've never seen Moonstruck... I've seen Cher. it. It's been a long time, but I it is the I, I have the criterion, so I film. need to. So I'm I have the criterion, so I'm do a rewatch. But yeah, it is the most charming film. Mm -hmm. Oh my god! Yeah, just uh, they don't make pure movies like that anymore. But still, no, 
still, it wasn't his breakthrough role. Yeah. They were very well established. And look how long it took for them to give it to Leonardo DiCaprio. And look mm. how long it took them to give it to his grandfather, Brad Pitt. Yeah. I'm kidding. I just <laughs> like, when he won that Golden Globe, I'm like, it's got to be hard for Brad Pitt to watch his young replacement <laughs> win. But still, they didn't give it to him for seven. Yeah. Brad Pitt in supporting. They, they, you know, they've had their chances. I think that's why we come back to makeup. Yeah. You have to remember that in, I think it's been 12 years since they've expanded Best Picture to, you know, eight or 10 nominees. It's been so. You have to re- it happened in, I'm just pulling it up right now. 2000, the 2010 ceremony was the first time we had 10 nominate yeah. nations. So, so we've had the, 11 ceremonies yeah. already. Only Jeff Bridges has won Best Actor without his film being nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. But it picked up another award, which was Best Original Song. Mm-hmm. Maggie Gyllenhaal was nominated. So Stephanie, you know, you think that not being not winning... She might not win. I get them all confused in my head. Hong Chao not winning. Being there is a huge help for her, mm-hmm. for Frazier. I say the reason why I said makeup is so important is when you look at the ladies who've won Best Actress without their film winning or being nominated, that's where you look at somebody like last year's winner. Oh, God, no. I have so many names in my head. You know how, like, you just can't remember it? So you have, like, Meryl Streep. Yeah. Um, you have Renee Zellweger. Mm-hmm. Help me out with last year. I can, I, her name's right on my tongue, and I can't oh. see it. It's late. Okay. Jessica Chastain. Yeah. They all no, picked you're, up Yeah, makeup. you're right. You're, you're right. They all picked up makeup. So mm-hmm. this is a... This category usually is like one where like, if you've got to go to the bathroom, you got to go. But makeup is very important because if the whale can win makeup, mm-hmm. then there is a hope. There is still a chance that Frazier can win. Yeah. He got a standing ovation at SAG. Mm-hmm. So there is a possibility for him to do this with only picking up Critics' Choice and SAG. It's, it reminds me a little of the Mickey Rourke, Sean Penn year. Yeah. But, oh, God. Because, you know, there's another Darren Aronofsky film. This mm-hmm. did not work for Mickey Rourke. But, you know, it, Sean Penn and Milk was just not going to lose. No, no. Yeah, and, I mean, another one I... I mean, Grant, he was never going to lose, but I also thought about Martin Landau for Ed Wood winning mm-hmm. and the movie wings makeup as well. Uh, but I mean, Martin Landau was and again, we the, don't the consensus by that point. So, and again, we don't know with these BAFTA wins if it would have made a difference because SAG was last. Yeah. Maybe I mean I don't know if if in the case of Anthony Hopkins it would or would not with Chadwick Boseman I don't want to reopen that wound for mm-hmm. people yeah but we also have to remember one thing and I'm not saying this to be crass Priscilla Press Lisa Marie Presley did just pass away mm-hmm. right before uh, BAFTA yeah so there may have been 
a little swell of momentum. Mm-hmm. I, I, we don't know. I, we don't know. I'm, I, I feel bad even putting that out there, but it is something to consider. It is. I mean, it, no, I mean, and, and, you know, it is, it's, it is difficult. I think anytime you have a situation where somebody who's so intimately involved in a movie passes away and that movie gets built up in terms of success, in terms of whether it's financial success, whether it's award success, you it's almost inevitable that you're going to have those lingering things of things mm-hmm. of thinking of, well, did that have a part to play in it? I mean, you know, one of the, you know, and one of the more recent examples as far as awards, I mean, is you you do have Chadwick Boseman, but you also you you can't help but wonder about Heath Ledger for the Joker, you know. And it's like if he had lived, is there? I I still kind of feel like he would have had momentum for at least a nomination because of the performance. But would he have had? Would there have been such? motivation to with give those it to nominees him. that year yes because they they didn't nominate dev patel if, if dev patel was in the mix the entire yeah. season and supporting actors that might have been a different story yeah but, you know the difference is that the difference between chadwick boseman and heath ledger was a previous oscar nomination i hate to yeah. be that person but you know peter fink who also won posthumously was a previous oscar nominee mm-hmm so you're welcome to the club nomination. I mean, even somebody like, uh, no, I'm, I can't, James Dean, who had two posthumous nominations, mm-hmm. couldn't win. So it's, it's tough, but it is also, you know, he's very young. 31 is really young. Yeah. Give this to him. And it's also going to set him up to fail. Yeah. I mean, he's going to have to carry this around with him forever. Mm-hmm. Every performance. I mean, look at Adrian Brody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Adrian Brody is a very talented actor. Mm-hmm. But his best performance, and yes, he did deserve to win, but he is carried around being the youngest winner his entire career. Yeah. And going out there and doing that accent every time you talk is not helping it because people are like, what are you doing? No, I, I, I agree with that. It's like, yeah. Um, my, I mean, my gut goes with Frasier just because of SAG. I, I kind of feel like the momentum of SAG is going to... But also, it's another comeback story. Now, yes, Austin Butler is playing a musical icon, it worked for Jamie Foxx. It worked for Rami Malek. But it like you said... It for, you know, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. Yeah. And, but like you said, it also is one of those situations where he's also very young. And you and kind this of... this is his breakthrough performance. Like, yeah. I can't think of anything. Apparently he was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. I can't tell you who he played. I actually just rewatched the movie today. He played... Uh, he played part of the uh, Manson family. 
He played the well, main I guy in the that much. Manson family. Right. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, that was that was basically it. So um, yeah, and this multi-layered performance apparently on the Carry Diaries. But right. um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> my my gut says Brendan Fraser. I I just kind of yeah. feel like that. But I mean, also I. You know, I, I I am I can't count out Farrell. No, just never. No, know. just because this is his first nomination after forever, and you feel like he's <sighs> he's somebody who might have who probably should have had a nomination by now. Well, I mean, I, I, in Bruges, he's he was very good in, in Bruges. Yeah. He's been around a while. He's really and he had you know, four movies out this year, and he was great in all of them. So he's really he's really <laughs> become the actor we thought he yeah he would yeah and so. he's not interested in being famous he's not out there doing his little antics those mm. days are behind him yeah so yeah and you know he it's it's hard you can never say never no no um but yeah I mean I I think my I think right now my gut does have to go with Fraser I do think that makeup. To a certain extent, I do think that makeup nomination comes through with the win. And yeah, I mean, I, I can't see where you're... to win that I, category. I, I need to... I, I see where you're coming from. And the fact is, it's like having... If it was just him being nominated, yeah, you're right. It would be one thing. But it's not just him. It's also got these... And remember actors. that even when Kate Blanchett won for Blue Jasmine, her co-star was also nominated Sally Hawkins. And yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah. It helps because it at least proves there's some support beyond you. Right. That was all, I mean, only, only Julianne Moore won with only herself being nominated. Yeah. And that's a far, far harder hill to climb. Mm-hmm. So, I, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I, Man, now that now that you uh, now that you talked about it, it's like yeah, I do think it it is still a third. It all comes down race. to makeup. It it comes down to makeup, but it re- really is kind of you can see Farrell sneaking in there. I mean, between those two, but I mean, I do kind of feel yeah. like the first. But it's the same thing with Condon. She could sneak in too. Yeah. So it's it's just a. Yeah, this these these categories are not easy this year at all, and we're arguably mm-hmm. going to get to the hardest of the ones mm-hmm. in Best Actress with Kate Blanchett for Car, Anna De Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Um, I'm really really upset about this this for one reason this this whole. Andrea Riseborough. Yeah, I, I, I am for one reason. Is that because, you know, there are other races out there other than black and white. Yeah. However you want to put this, that the inclusion of a Hispanic actress and an Asian actress has been overshadowed by this. Yeah. And that's unfair to both of them, especially Michelle Yeoh at her age, mm-hmm. not to make this about age, but you know, Anna de Armas is in her early, one, late 20s, early 30s. I don't know. 
But, you know, when you're in your 60s, you don't, there's a chance she might not get another chance at this. Look how yeah. long it took to her to get nominated. Yeah. She should have been nominated for Crazy Rich Asians. She should have been nominated for Crouching Tiger in Dragon. But well, I mean, let's just go with the most recent one. Let's yeah. let's not go thirty years back. But but still, still, this Andrea Reisberg, Reisberg, it's one thing for like what Ed Norton said. Hey, I saw this great movie. Everybody check it out. It's another thing to have everybody have all these private screenings and then yeah. But the problem for both Daniel Deadweiler, I'm saying, I think I'm saying her name correctly, and Viola Davis is probably they were ranked number three or four. It's a ranked ballot. Yeah, it's the same thing that happened probably to James Cameron. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing that probably happened to Baz Luhrmann. It's the same thing that happened to Lady Gaga yeah. last year or Geneva New. Being in the third spot, which is where Viola Davis was, and most people, if you're going to rank them pre-nominations, is almost the deadliest spot to be in. Yeah. Um, we, you know, it's like, I, I, I do love The Woman King. I thought it was a tremendous film. Yeah. Why, it just... why do you, beyond Viola Davis for a second, why do you think it didn't get any traction in places like costume or production design? It just came out too early. It didn't land. Uh, I, I, it's been a kind of a kooky year between what we've seen people want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's across the board. I mean, you know, we're in this, we talked about this last year, we're in this three to five years post-COVID yeah. catch-up. This is a, a far more competitive year than we saw last year, obviously. Mm-hmm. But we're we're getting closer to normal, but we're still seeing it at the Emmys where we're seeing, you know, the same thing. We're looking like the limited series race last year. We, you would never usually see that many feel good limited series nominated. Mm-hmm. Whereas because people wanted to feel better. People wanted an escape. Yeah. They don't, they're, they're really not into these heavy, heavy films. And that's what probably hurt the woman King. It's what hurt women talking. Those are really tough films to watch. Yeah, and it probably it's, hurt it, Danielle it, Deadweiler and Till. Cause... Well, Till also had one other thing that I think people forgot about was that a- ABC did have a, a limited series, Women of the Moment, uh, come out the prior year. Mm. And we kind of saw the same thing with a- the Aretha projects. Mm. Is that sometimes it's just too much. Yeah. And, and I mean, I... I don't take anything away from her. And it is a horrible thing that happened. Yeah. But there are probably people who saw women of the moment. Um, and then they're like, I, I can't, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I watched six episodes about this. Yeah. Like I can't, I can't watch another two and a half hour movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a tough watch and people are still in that feeling of, we lost a lot of people from COVID the economy is not great. They want an escape. Yeah. And I, you know, say what you want, but everything everywhere, at least it's weird, but it's not a hard film to watch. Yeah. I mean, there's too many men in the Academy, clearly, because they nominated a porn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
they nominated a smut film, but yeah, I I have a but you know I I've been upset about Michelle Williams all year because if she had just stayed in supporting actress, mm-hmm. uh, she and I she, I said this she would be she would probably be the clear winner. She, yeah, and this is the other thing is that. I thought, you know, after she had gone through the Fosse-Verdon cycle, just to talk about this, and I've said this before, I thought, okay, three years later, just like three years, four award years later, mm-hmm. after winning, going through a television cycle and not losing, just like Julianne Moore, a film's going to come along, and this is it. This is going to give her an Oscar. <laughs> and we all thought that for about two minutes until she moved to the lead. Yeah. She's really squandered her opportunity because when you've gone through enough award cycles like she has, you start to look like a loser because your losses start to rock up. Mm-hmm. So to finally go through one, a cycle, not lose, win everything, this was her perfect opportunity Yeah, because it would have been like, yeah, maybe we should have awarded her. Maybe we shouldn't have let the Television Academy get to her first. Mm-hmm. But it, it is, it's, it's a squandered opportunity for her. Obviously, the rules have to change because of this Riseboro thing. Yeah. But it, there's just been a, it's just hard for these, some of these films that are tough to watch. I mean, even the Banshees of Inna, Sharon, it's not a tough film to watch. No, it's just a very dark, it just takes a very dark turn at a certain point. But you're right, it is still a it's still an enjoyable dark comedy. And yeah. I, yeah. And I think people are still looking for enjoyment. Mm-hmm. We're, we're, we're not at the point yet in our movies where I think something could come along. That's really going to be thought provoking and make us want to. Yeah. I don't think we're going to see a, a nomad land for a little while because yeah. it's like, okay, that's just an election year thing like election years really do prefer the journeyman films or something Mm -hmm. a light or upbeat but yeah yeah, we've just seen this still going on where it's like ted lasso sweeping the emmys because people want to feel better Mm -hmm. and whatever you say about that it's it it does make people feel good yeah why the white lotus one it's an escapism this is Mm -hmm. (laughs) the whale is a tough film to get through yeah yeah. That could be a problem, but it's not like Elvis is any easier. Well, and I but I also think there is the fact that I, I think the fact that you have Brendan Fraser's quote unquote comeback story yeah. is what make is making and the fact that this is him showing his talent. We haven't the best seen example this in Scott and Monsters. His talent for the first time in ages, if not ever. And I think well, that God and Monsters, he, he did show I, it I, to of us course, briefly. Of course, how can I completely forget? Because I always will support Brendan Fraser. He should have been nominated for Gods and Monsters. He gave a great performance yeah. in that movie. Um Ian McCallan should have won his fucking Oscar. Oh God. I, mean, we, I, I we, remember we can... that night. I, I remember that night. Oh. It was I and I and the thing is it's like I love we're we're getting off track. He would but win the, nowadays. The the fact nowadays of the matter is, it's won. like I I'm somebody who loves life is beautiful. I completely understand people don't. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous that Roberto Benigni won Best Actor. Like, well, I, that was, was in the tail end absurd. of the director 
that was in the tail end of the actor director period in Hollywood where yeah. we saw and and <clears throat> believe it or not we we're right now in the like the foreign director period and when they course correct and the DGA thinks they've done too much it's going to be a while yeah they're they're going to go okay we we've, we've taken this a step too far but mm-hmm. i i do think well, let's just get to lead actress like who are you picking yeah so I I feel like sort of in the same way that Halle Berry's win for Monsters Ball was secured by SAG, I kind of think that's where I'm going with Michelle Yeoh. And it goes to being last and, you know, being the last, last word in it, as well as the fact that, like you said, what is the likelihood of her ever being here again? And I think the thing you, you have to remember, you can say what you want about, about these, but, you know, Kate Blanchett graced television with her presence and couldn't get a fucking award out of it. Yeah. Like, like most people, when you just hear Kate Blanchett's going to do an FX limited series, everyone screams Emmy. Yeah. And she couldn't win a globe. So people are kind of on to her, her stick a little bit. Right. And also, she's never been in a Best Picture winner. Yeah. You could argue she's been in a, well, she's been, she's never been a feature. She's never been more than a featured performer because she was in Lord of the Rings. Yeah. But she's never been a supporting actress or a lead actress. Where when you look at, look at uh, Frances McDormand, who has recently won three Oscars. Yeah. Every film that she won Best Actress for, you could say either well, one won one Best Picture or the other two, Fargo and, uh, and Three Billboards, were the runner-ups. Right. Yeah. Maybe you could say that about Aviator. But, you know, Meryl Streep has been in a Best Picture winner. Yeah. She was a support, you know. She, I don't know... I think it's almost too easy. Yeah. I, I just feel like it's too easy to give it to her. Well, and it's, it's, it's we, too easy of a performance for, for Blanchett <clears throat> to give to. Like, well, I'm not, mm-hmm. it's not like she's stretching herself when she played Bob Dylan. Yeah. It's, whereas for Michelle Yeoh, an Asian actress has never won best actress. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been 70 plus years since Hang S. Noor won for supporting actor. No, it's been closer to 40, but, you know, it feels like oh, okay. 70. I can't remember. It feels like 70. That's fine. Um, yeah, you know, it's, but... it's, I, I, I uh, was under the impression that an Asian actress hadn't been nominated for actress, but I got my, you know, you get your facts, your countries mixed up. Asia is a big country. Yeah. I'll just say a big continent. Yeah. But it 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 is, you know, it diversity includes more mm-hmm. than just African Americans. So yeah. this category does still have some diversity to it, but I think Michelle Yeoh feels better as yeah. a winner. I, I agree. It also it also is like, you know, when Meryl Streep won her third, and even to a point when Frances McDormand won hers, it mattered to them. Yeah. She's kind of going for this, I'm too cool for school. Yeah. 
And, yeah. and my problem with that is, is that if you're going to do that, you need to do the Anthony Hopkins full stop where it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm 83 years old. There's a pandemic. I'm not going to this, which is well, basically and, what happened. Well, and the thing is, it's like, I, I think that, and I would, this is something that I was thinking about while I've been thinking about this category, because it seems like, especially in the modern era, when actors have won three Oscars. You think about Meryl Streep, you think about Jack Nicholson. It took Jack Nicholson, it was 22 years from his first one to his third one. Well, it didn't take, it didn't take many nominations for either Francis McDormand or Daniel Day-Lewis, but the difference between them is they went a long distance between, they went a long time period between first and second. Yes. But by between second and three... What happened was is that they became so cool yeah. that that they just kind of won. Now the difference between Frances McDormand's third is that she at the last second pulled out BAFTA, and I was like, "Well, now I got a predictor." Yeah, because that race was all over, and because I couldn't pick Viola Davis and Chadwick Boseman for the same reason, the film wasn't nominated. You can't win both lead acting races and not have your film be yeah. nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, it's one or the other. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know. And, and as and, nervous as I was about Chadwick Boseman, I couldn't, well, one, I didn't want the whole internet calling me racist. Right. And two, you know, it, many like hesitancies as I had, I still felt like, you know, hard overhead, everybody's going to go that way. I, I do think that it would be interesting to see if BAFTA would go yo knowing SAG did, because I think they might have thought SAG would have gone Blank shot. Mm. Yeah. And and the thing is, it's I, like, it's... I, I also feel like with Kate Blanchett, she's going to be somebody like Meryl Streep who's going to be here again. You're yeah. going to see her nominated year. She's not done. Every other year. So it's like, you're going to have times where she's going to be a staple to the category the same way Streep was. For a long time. And I don't always agree that people should not vote for somebody because they're going to be nominated again because yeah. you don't know. Uh, and I think the one thing you can say about Francis McDormand winning again and, and for anyone is that at least it's uh, and for Anthony Hopkins winning again, it yeah. says, if we think you absolutely gave the best performance in this category, narrative be damned. Sorry. And, and I'm honestly, not trying to offend anyone. And narrative be damned. We're going to give you the award. And Which honestly, is good for anyone who's won at least once. And honestly, Anthony Hopkins, I love Chadwick Boseman in Ma Rainey's, but that Anthony, was a masterful Anthony Hopkins was amazing in The Father. He was absolutely That was a masterclass. The Father. So for him to win, it's it made sense. And he handled it with such grace. Yes. And you have to remember that Halle Berry. The only thing I will say about the Halle Berry argument is that her film was not basket eligible in the same Oscar mm-hmm. season. And, and that's one of those things that when people use BAFTAs before 2002, BAFTA used to go months after the Oscars. So here's a really good example of that. Tom Hanks has never, not, never won. Now, I'm using Tom Hanks because he was nominated for both Philadelphia and Forrest Gump. Yeah. And there is a, probably a better chance that if the, if BAFTA had gone 
four or five weeks before the Oscars, he probably would have picked up one. Because even Hugh Grant, who won, who beat him, and I think he also beat John Travolta that year, is like, yeah. I only won this because I'm British. Mm-hmm. Like, that's literally the first thing out of his mouth is, I yeah. only won because I'm British. And, and that's fine, but you can't use anything before that. And you also have to check the eligibility with a film like Halle Berry. So Halle Berry, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. she won SAG, but she wasn't back to eligible. And it was right at that point before they moved these ceremonies. Yeah. So it, it is, I just feel like, I feel like it's closer than people want to believe, but I think it's going to be Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. By a sausage finger. Yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to think of something I think like, it's, I think it's, like the nose, you know. It's yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I do think it's easily the closest of the two because of the fact, especially because it feels like it's been Blanchett and Yo throughout the entire award season. It's been basically Well, you also have to decide, do you really want somebody who, who wants it? Like yeah. Michelle Yeoh wants it. Uh, Kate Blanchett feels a little like she could go either way. Like mm-hmm. uh, she didn't show up to she didn't show up to the Globes, whatever. Um, but Michelle Yeoh's <laughs> like, oh, I will fight you. Like she's yeah. really been out there the past four or five years. Ever since Crazy Rich Asians, she did that Shang Chi. I think is the name of the Marvel yeah. film. Yeah, she's really been on the radar like there were a lot of people who thought she should have been nominated for crazy rich asians Mm -hmm. and were disappointed that didn't land because she really scared the bejesus out of everyone (laughs) so now here she is the lead in a film finally and i think what she did with having that character actor at 94 years old get up there and talk about asian representation really does help yeah. So for this is my one heart overhead. I'm not changing my mind. I'm going with Michelle Yeoh. I want yeah. this to happen. I adore her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe I'll watch Crazy Rich Asians again. <laughs> I, and I the do... good news for her film is that it is on Showtime and the rest of them aren't really available. So, I mean, Tar's on Peacock. But, yeah. Yeah, and but Bond and, is well and I'll, I'll on just say Netflix, this. but I, I really hope we're not in a, a similar situation where where um, when that person's individual sat Emmy nomination, Peter McNichols Emmy nomination, got rescinded for guest actor because mm-hmm. uh, he appeared in one too many episodes of Veep, and so when they replaced him with the person who was in seventh or whatever, I don't remember how many nominees there were supposed to be, he won. I really hope we're not in a situation where all this attention on Andrea Riseborough ends up winning because they just feel sorry for her. Here, I mean, here, here's basically, so I, I do want to talk about the other nominations. We basically focus mainly on Blanche and Yo because they're the ones who are the one and two, essentially, here, one A, one B, however you want to look at. Um, here, here's what Wouldn't we'll... it be awesome if there was a tie? It would be fantastic. I, I sincerely, I mean, I sincerely doubt that would happen, but that would be pretty great to see happen. Um, that hasn't happened in, in years. Yeah. 
But here, here's, here's what we'll say about the other nominations. I, I, I'm on record as having hated Blonde. I will say I think Anna de Armas is arguably the best part of it, but that's not saying much because she's not given a whole lot to do. While I do agree with you that Michelle Williams had a clear path to Oscar, had she stayed in supporting actress, I am somebody who does think that it is her performance in Fablements is a true lead performance. I it is as important a performance as Gabrielle LaBelle in anchoring that film. But that being said, she should have stayed in supporting if she wanted to get an Oscar. Um, as far as Andrew Riseborough, I mean, I I finally got a chance to see the movie yesterday, and what I will say is. I it was under- Peter Scolari who went on to win. That, that was the year I was talking about, 2016, with okay. the Emmys. I just wanted to throw that out there. It was okay. girls. Okay. So what, that's what, what I'm... What I will yeah. say about Riseboro is that, I mean, you see, once you see the movie where she basically plays a train wreck who's trying to redeem herself, you kind of see where it became beloved among actors because of the fact that that type of role is catnip for actors as far as Oscar voting. It really is. And she's it, It's just the, the way they went about it. That, that oh, yeah. It, it, it just it, doesn't... Yeah. The, the fact that the, grass new, the grassroots aspect of it is... But it's not like it was a grassroots. This was people in private screening rooms and in a way where it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. And I understand, like, you and I know the rules better than probably those actors involved in this. But, you you know, going out there and soliciting 217 people to vote the way you ask them to, to, because you know how how this is going to work, especially for someone who's won or who has been nominated. And a lot of the people involved in this should have to not let this just play out as it was going to feels unfair because it's not just hurting her it hurts the other four nominees we, we've talked about this yeah. it hurts Anna de Armas it hurts Michelle Yeoh because they can't they can't be the center of attention that they deserve because it is still a diverse category yeah we still have representation but I think they should have realized you know especially if you've been nominated and you've won or you've been not you know the list of the actors involved in this is like you guys should have just let this play out yeah like they did this way too late. They didn't make a concentrated effort to try and get her anything else. They just, mm-hmm. you know, that would be like you and I sitting down, finding a list of Academy winners and trying and, and trying to manipulate people to do this. Right. It, it doesn't. Yeah. That's the problem I have with it is that it's it's like at that point you should have just let everyone play as they will. Yeah. And the thing is, if that whole barrage had not happened and the nomination had still occurred, would would there have been any sort of controversy? There, there would have been questions as to how it could happen since she was not really part of the conversation before. But would there have been this sense of impropriety 
if she had been nominated without all of the hubbaloo that uh, came out shortly before voting ended. Well, I, th- I think the thing you have to remember about about the voting is we don't know who's in six. Yeah. <clears throat> we, we, we think it's Danielle Deadweiler. We think it's... it's Viola it, Davis. It might have been Viola Davis. Yeah. We don't know for 100% sure. No. Um, do I want Viola Davis to, to win that Best Actress Oscar? Yes. Yeah. Do I think every time I see her in a lead role, this is going to be the year? Yes. Mm-hmm. But, but we don't know for sure... But we also, you know, it's, it, you and I can usually, we all, people who are following this as closely as you and I do and other pundits usually have about 15, 20 people that as the names start to whittle down, you start thinking, okay, well, it's a long shot, but so-and-so may still do it. Yeah. Penelope Cruz may still do it. Uh, you, you know, so-and-so in this film might still do it. And, you know, if Jennifer Lawrence had been the fifth person, we would have gone, well, it's on Apple TV Plus. Yeah. Maybe everybody just saw it. It was a few years ago with, like, I think it was that Sandra Bullock Bird Box movie that came out right before Oscar, you know, that came out in the eligibility period, where it's like, well, yeah, if that had happened, which didn't, but if it had happened, we would all said, well, it was on Netflix. It was the number one movie. Everybody watched it over Christmas. It makes sense. That's not what happened here. No. What happened was, is that someone figured out that you need 218 number one votes. Now God knows what's going to happen next time. I don't think expanding the Academy is a good idea. Mm-hmm. But it, it does raise a question of how many private screenings is too many. Yeah. And that's, that's where it comes down is that they didn't let this just play out as they will. So who was number six? Right. I mean, like you said, I mean, it could easily, I mean, especially with Brian Tyree Henry being nominated for Causeway, it could very well have been Jennifer Lawrence for Causeway. She probably was in the top 10. Yeah. I mean, let's face it, people were still saying, and she might still get nominated. Usually she gets something else along the way, but, you know, there are names where it's it's like, you know, when Judy Dench all of a sudden just shows up out of nowhere, it's like, yeah, okay. Nobody liked that she got nominated for Belfast, but sure, it, yeah. we see how this happens. Mm-hmm. That's the problem, is that this, they, they, just, they just didn't let this play out as they will. And maybe if you love her so much, put her in your other projects yeah. so she gets the opportunity instead of manipulating the world, manipulating this and putting her in a, this situation where now I have to think of her as probably in third place because God only knows what these people are going to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Which is not fair to the other nominees, especially no. the first-time nominee, the other two first-time nominees. No. Which is... are the two other people of color. Yeah. No, that is, that is, that is an excellent point. And, um, you know, I... How it... many Hispanic actresses have been nominated for Best Actress? The last one I can think of would probably be uh, Selma Hayek. Yeah. I, I think you're I, I think you're right. Well, because P- Penelope Cruz is Spanish. Yeah. So yeah, I, so, I do think it is. I do think Salma Hayek is it. Um, so you, you know, this should have been a very big moment for Anna de Armas. She can't. She can't even be the story of the category. Yeah. 
being the first Hispanic actress nominated in a while, mm-hmm. you know, Michelle Yeoh can't enjoy the attention. No one cares if, if Kate Blank checks is ruined because, you know, she's going to be nominated again, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's exactly like we said. Um, so, I mean, I, I do feel like we, we do have two more categories here, but I mean, they're two of the easiest ones I think to cover yeah. because well, we basically I, I do know think, what's going to Go ahead and give the nominees for best director and I'll just say my bit. So, so yeah, best director, we got Martin McDonough, Banshees of Inisherin. We got the Daniels for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, Ruben Oslund for Triangle of Sadness. Well, the one thing I will say is that the Daniels did not win BAFTA, which the good news for him for them is they did not lose to somebody who's nominated. That's yeah. a big relief. It does leave, and I'm just stirring the pot, you know, we gotta add a little drama to some of these categories. It does leave the door the door slightly ajar for Spielberg, but it's probably not gonna happen. Yeah. I I, I remember when a lot of people were thinking, oh, could this be the year that Spielberg finally gets his third best director win? And yeah, that lasted for about five seconds, it feels like. Um, I would still love to see him win because I think he does some phenomenal work in The Fablemans. But honestly, what well, the Daniels pull off and... He's past his prime. Yeah. It's... Well, I mean, he he's also he's also making very different film. Well, I don't know if I would say he's past his prime because I mean, he's West Side Story and Fablemans. I think are absolutely. He's had a good films, couple of years, but, but he's not been as innovative as he's been. No, you're as that he is, was twenty years ago. That is that is absolutely true. I I will agree and, with you on and that. And I also I I also just feel like you know the. <clears throat> He's not. He he's so interested in saving film that he doesn't understand it's changed. Yeah. And I also feel like the whole time I was watching the Fablemans, and one thing I did look into when it did look like it might win was it was too. It's too long to win Best Picture nowadays. It's almost too long a film. Yeah. It's about it's about fifty minutes too long to win Best Picture. And that's something these people need to think about is that, you know, when you keep losing to films, when you look at the difference between Coda and The Power of Your Dog, you know what the, dif- the big difference is? About 45 minutes. Hmm. That's, that's the big difference. And some of these films and some of these older directors, some of these younger directors, hell, Justin, you know, Damien Chazelle's in that has that problem too, where it's like, yeah. just because they'll let you have final cut doesn't mean you shouldn't cut your film. Right. No, absolutely. Ugh. Yeah. Um, no, at, I mean, least I, the, at least West Side Story didn't feel its length. This this felt its length. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I I I do think. Yeah, I mean, this is this is the Daniel was far and away. I think. I mean, yeah, them not winning BAFTA is a possibility, but like you said, they also. I'm didn't. just adding a little drama. Yeah. It's just stirring <laughs> the pot. Come on, do you want this to be like, yeah, sure, it's this one, let's move on. Well, I mean, we're at the two categories that are arguably some of the easiest to predict this year. Well, we've got to add a little intrigue. Yeah. We've got to add a little intrigue. They they didn't win BAFTA, they didn't win the Globe. There's, you know, if you're Steven Spielberg, you still have a little hope out there. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. I wouldn't. I did did forget they 
didn't win the Globes. Wow, I forgot about that. Um, there you go. Yeah, I forgot they, about they, the they didn't that have they, the best Globes. Yeah. They did not have a good Globes. So. Um, so that brings us to Best Picture with All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inishirn, Elvis, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun, Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Woman, Women Talking. What, what were your thoughts on Triangle of Sadness? I couldn't sit. I, I just got too bored. I, yeah, I, I think there's some... I, I need to try again. I, I sometimes think like, I, I, don't, I think sometimes when you watch a film, sometimes you're just not in the mood to watch anything. And I think that was where I was when I saw Triangle of Sadness. Right. Whereas like, I could have sat down and watched my favorite film and I would have been like, I hate this. Why am I doing this? Am I, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, like, I just... I, I kind of feel like Triangle of Sadness, it's, it's got two very distinct halves, and I think the second half is considerably stronger than the first half. And But the thing is, I also think its themes are way too obvious. I, I don't think... I mean, sometimes it's fine for a movie to be that way, but at the same time, I, I don't... It, they're, not, they're obvious in a way that's not interesting to me, and I that was that was my biggest issue with Triangle of Sadness. <clears throat> but I mean, yeah, I mean, like this is the one thing I'll say. We all know it's probably everything, everywhere, all at once. And this is why I say there's so little chance in director because let's say you're filling out your ballot and you're picking everything everywhere, and then you're checking off three of its actors. Yeah, you might not. You might. You might go. Okay, that that's enough. Yeah. Maybe we'll give it Phil editing, but come on. That's why I say, like, maybe Spielberg has a little bit more of a chance than he's thinking. Mm-hmm. Just because it's like, you know, when you, we're talking about a film winning. So let's see what we've, we've talked about it winning so far, everything, everywhere. Picture, director, editing, supporting actor, supporting actress, and best actress. That's six awards. And we're not talking about five tech categories in best picture. Yeah. That's that's top categories. Yeah. So you're, I, I mean, I, I'm just saying, you and know, it's, if, and if it's, you're it's, checking those off, maybe yeah. you don't think, maybe you don't connect film editing <laughs> to this big sweep, but you might connect director with supporting actor, actress, and actor, an actress. Right. Where you're like, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot of words. I mean, it really, I, I do think it really does boil down to whether the Academy, Academy voters at large are comfortable with a movie essentially sweeping versus, well, do we want to spread the wealth around? And I, I, don't think they, I don't think they mind a sweep. I think, I think it's just been a while since they've had a reason to do so. Yeah. I think that if the, I think some of it's been timing. Like if the Revenant had come out a year before, came out the year of the Birdman and it hadn't ran into Mad Max, it probably would have done better. Yeah. No, that's, that's, it, that's it's true. just, it's, it's just been a matter of timing. I mean, you know, look at Birdman. All it needed was one acting win. And let's face it, it was the runner up in every acting category it was nominated yeah. for. So, you, you know, it, timing has played a, played a role in some of these races being more competitive. Mm-hmm. This one is more competitive. The problem is, is that all of the competition is coming from everywhere, everywhere, 
Yeah. Everything everywhere. I hate this title. <laughs> I hate and love this title. Everything everywhere all at once. Yeah. So it's like it's either it's either E E A A O or it's something else. Yeah. And that something else is usually either <laughs> the Banshees or or I mean, think of how the Banshees would have done if it came out one year earlier. Yeah. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. No, and I mean, you can't count out the Banshees of Edna Sharon because let's face it, if you win screenplay, that's a big award. It could just take screenplay and picture. Yeah. It's on HBO. That's very easy for them. <clears throat> mm-hmm. No, that's that's uh that's absolutely true. Um, you know, and, and the thing is, I, I think one of the things that was kind of surprising this year, it seemed like there were so many movies in that upper tier of having the most nominations. And it was because of the fact that Everything Everywhere All Once and Banshees each had four nominations. And because we were going through the technical awards and it took like four, five or six categories to get to Everything Everywhere All Once. It seemed like being considered. Well, it's missing. It's it's like, this is one of the things that when I was looking at SAG, like, yeah, I, I knew four, it, it had four and people were like, well, what else could it have gotten? And I'm like, well, it didn't get stunts. Yeah. You, you do have to look at BAFTA and think, you know, is it a little on the weirder side to win best picture? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. It is definitely on the weirder side. The Banshees of Anna Sharon, which is its biggest competition is a far more traditional film. Yeah. Uh, do I think All Quiet on the Western Front is going to win? No. No. But, but it is, the race isn't completely done. Mm-hmm. There is still room, but I do think the door, you just can't win PGA, DJ, and SAG. Yeah. The question now becomes, how many more trophies does it win if it is in fact winning best picture or is it, we're just going to give it a handful of tech awards and three acting races. And then whoever wins best picture has to feel like crap. Yeah. Cause let's face it. If you win three acting awards, direct and directing, or it doesn't win directing. I I, can't say it's not going to happen, Mm -hmm. but I don't think it will happen because they didn't nominate Spielberg at at BAFTA, and that seemed a little odd. Yeah, it it is a possibility that it could still lose because you have to ask yourself: those people who are ranking Banshee, those people who are watching Top Gun, those people who are going to rank Fablemans one, where are they going to put everything everywhere all at once? Yeah, and that is where things can get iffy. That's all I'm saying is that, yeah. you know, it's not over yet. It's not completely over. Mm-hmm. Even though it feels very over from the outside looking in it. Yeah. It, yeah. It could still. And I mean, that's where, that's where that uh, preferred that the voting preferences come into play. And yeah, that's, that's you, you do feel like that's been a big part for, some movies doing better than others over over the past few years and yeah it's 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 going to be it's going to be an interesting oscar night um it's either going to be very interesting oscar night or it's going to end up being a very dull one but i think 
I, I, I do think one of the things I, I do like and one of the reasons I'm glad I'm bouncing, all, bouncing these nominations off of somebody is because of the fact that it does give you a chance to think about, well, maybe some of this is not quite as set in stone based off of things we've seen in the recent past with the Academy. Yeah, and, and, you know, I know everyone likes to say that um, uh, Guillermo del Toro's film, Shape of The Water. Shape of Water, yeah, yeah was, a, was a, a, an unusual Best Picture winner. Yeah, sure, sure, very unusual. It's a movie, there's sex involved, that's not usually in a Best Picture winner. It, mm-hmm. it, but it's basically Beauty and the Beast Yeah, when you come down to it. This is very out there. I mean, yeah. this is like, here's a circle, and then here's five feet away where everything everywhere all at once belongs. Mm-hmm. Which could be the difference. We don't know. And, and we still have to look at the one branch that does have overlap with the Academy basket and go, should we be reading into that? Yeah. That it could only pick up one award. Because that did kind of stall their momentum. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, if we went like we usually did, and that was the final <laughs> argument, there would still be a lot more hope for someone like Spielberg. There would be hope for uh, for Ban- There's still hope for Banshees. It won Best British Film. It won it won four awards that night. It had a great yeah. BAFTAs. Mm-hmm. And you have to figure it's- the Academy. It was probably two in a lot of those categories. It's probably the number two choice in a lot of those categories as well. Yeah, yeah. So certainly for And that's for also the interesting ensemble. point about those acting races is that maybe maybe it's good for Angela Bassett for the fact that she isn't in one of those two films. Yeah. Maybe, if you, maybe you are just fed up of the race being between those two films and now that it's your turn to vote for the Oscars, maybe you just are going to tick her off because you're sick of it. Yeah. If you haven't already voted, we don't mm-hmm. know how many people voted the minute they get their ballots and yeah. how many people really sit down and think about this. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Well, um, this is, a t- it's a tough year. It it's is. A tough year. It is. And I mean, that's... my personal preference would be the Banshees of Ben Sharon. I, I really loved Colin Farrell in that mm-hmm. film and. I, I adore. My dog loves to watch TV, so he every time he saw that little donkey, he charged. And when yeah. he realized, he watches the television. So when the donkey died, spoiler yeah. alert, he was crying. I'm like, Gus. Yeah, I mean, okay. as as much as I mean, I adored everything everywhere all once. I truly think it's one of the best films I've ever seen. I, but I also love the Fablements. I love women talking. I love the Banshees of. In his Sharon, they're basically like two, three, four with everything everywhere all at once. And I mean, I I would love to see all of them considered. And, and whether Spielberg wants to it, believe it or not, all of his innovations have led to the Daniels being able to even be in the conversation for this. Because look what he did with Jaws. Oh, yeah. And he absolutely. was famously snubbed. Nowadays, yeah. he would be so in the conversation because of how he did that. Oh, yeah. So it, 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 it does, it, it shouldn't feel too much like a, a loss to him. And I, I, you know, and you wonder how much it would mean whether it truly 
would mean I almost wonder whether this time around he might be more interested in winning for screenplay with Kushner, who is not one for any of his work collaborations with Spielberg. And I think the problem is that these it's like he's reached a point in his career where he's become the status quo and not the rebel. Yeah. And the problem with working with Kushner is it's like, we get it. He's a Pulitzer Prize winner. We get it. We get it. He's brilliant. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not as innovative as he, he thinks. Yeah. Even I remember at the time when he did Schindler's List and he did the movie in black and white, that was a big deal. Oh, I, I remember. That in and of itself. Yeah. <laughs> was a big deal to do a movie in black and white. Nowadays, people are like, you know what? Why not? Let's just do it in black and white for the hell of it. It's like there's no... Oh, yeah. No, and I... Oh, believe me, I remember the... And I practically remember the conversation verbatim around Schindler's List. It's like I was very much paying attention to the Oscars that year because that was when I was starting to really get into movies as a film as an art form is opposed to just watching them. And, uh, I mean, you can, you can hear more about my thoughts on Spielberg. I've talked about him a lot. I talked about the film. I talked about the Fablemans a lot on, in their own league. We, but he's not, not even like 10 years ago. He's not as innovative as he was in like say minority report. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been around long enough that he's become the status quo. And when you see that, and that's honestly, at least he was trying something new with West Side Story. Mm-hmm. It, it, it seemed like he wanted to entertain instead of just shoving down, shoving down, shoving his message down our throats again. It's like mm-hmm. we get it. You got Tom Hanks. Yeah, we we you know like give us something zig instead of zag. I don't you know do something different. Like at least when. Martin Scorsese has always done something different back to back. Like, yeah. You know, you mean he does the Age of Innocence and then he follows it up with Raging Bull. I don't know which order those are in. It's like, oh, Raging Bull was far far above, far ahead of uh, Age of Innocence. But no, the fact of the matter is. For you, but still, is that like he's he's doing something that's completely. It's the same thing with Ang Lee. It's like. To your. Sense and sensibility to Brokeback Mountain, to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, yeah. Well, to your. It's like how many World War War movies can you make before people are like, okay. No, exactly. Seriously. Um, No, and I mean, to your point on Scorsese, I mean, you know, just in the past decade plus, we've. Just in the 2010s, we saw him do Shutter Island. We saw him do Hugo. Then he did The Wolf of Wall Street. Then he did Silence, and then he did The Irishman. So I and mean, the wolf, he's yeah. still doing. So he's still doing a lot of variety, and I he's mean, still he's still trying got new westerns. And I, I think you yeah. know, and I, I have my own personal feelings. You can hear about my personal feelings with Spielberg on the episode that I did with Danielle Soltzman and Darren Lundberg back in December. We went in excruciating detail on But uh, he is completely anti-film being on on television, but he has no sympathy for people who may still be kind of hesitant about going to the theaters. Who, you know, are are of his age. You might be like, that's nice for you, but you know, yeah. I don't live in California where everyone's vaccinated. Mm-hmm. 
And and you would think at least with, and I get respecting Top Gun for getting people back to theaters and and everything, but you would at least think you'd have some empathy for the fact that the film industry had to adapt right. because of a because of a pandemic instead of like going with this it's going to die, it's going to die, it's going to die. It's never yeah. going to die. It's going to change. Mm-hmm. I mean, The Fablemans was out a month later on. VOD, on, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I don't yeah. think that means that it's the end of the world. Yeah. No, that that's true. And the thing is, it's like the, the I mean, you know, we... The the thing with uh, Spielberg, I mean, that's kind of confounding about his thoughts on movies being in theaters versus movies being on TV is ironic because, A, his first feature film nominally was a TV movie in Duel. And then also, he's kind of seen, he kind of predicted where theatrical viewing is kind of going. And so... You know, to see him, you know, re- I mean, I understand where he's coming from from a theatrical point, but to your point, we are still very much in a pandemic, and I, it's completely understandable that people are still hesitant about going to the movie. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, and the thing is, it's like also you you're looking at some movies, and there are certain genres that are dominating the marketplace theatrically that then not and especially with the way studios are dealing with theatrical windows and especially universal you can kind of understand why people are starting to feel conditioned into going oh if i miss this film in theater oh i can see it in tv in a month but it's also like you know it's not like it's an i like the fablemans but it felt started to feel its length. It's like, I want to walk out of the theater and be like energized. Like when I saw Black Panther, I felt good at the end yeah. of it. Like, I can't wait to see what they do next. Yeah. As a Fableman's, I was like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. And there are people who, because, you know, they just can't sit still that long in a theater. Yeah. And watch a film like that. And, and people have gotten used to being on their phones and it's, whatever you want to say Mm. Uh, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing I have a very bad I've talked about this in the past I have an eye condition where for me to enjoy a a film in another language I it is easier for me it's even hard on a tele on a large screen flat screen it's easy you know yeah but you're also saying to a kid out there that if they see Jaws and this is the last point I'll make because it is getting away. But mm-hmm. he's also kind of almost ruining his own legacy because you're saying that if a kid sees Jaws or E.T. at home because their parents show them a Spielberg film. Yeah. And that makes them want to become a director. They've never understood your movie because they saw it on television. Yeah. You're telling mm-hmm. everyone who's seen some of these classic films and enjoys like the 30 Days of Oscars or, you know, something like that, that because they saw it on a a small screen, which they're not always small nowadays, but still not in a theater, they don't understand it. That's not fair. That's not fair to say. Mm -hmm. 
that's not fair because, you know, I, I've seen The Sound of Music over a hundred times. It's my absolute favorite movie. Yeah. I don't live in a town where they play it on the big screen or I would go. Yeah. But you can't tell me I don't understand my favorite film. Mm-hmm. You're, you can't say to somebody they can't be inspired by your work because they saw it on a small screen. Yeah. Does he really want to negate that experience for someone? Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I think that's a very fair I'm not point. trying to crap on him. I just think it's, I, I do no, think it's I, one of those. No, I completely understand where you're coming from. And I, I, I completely respect that. I, I completely respect that feeling. I mean, as somebody who's experienced so many great films, so many films that I adore for the first time on VHS. I was scarred for life when I was six TV. years old because I watched The Birds, you know? I mean, like, you know, I, I've seen so many of my favorite films for the first time on TV in one oh, way yeah. or another. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I just stumble across that. it on a rainy day or something. It's it's yeah. just, I, I just think that, you know, to negate the positive effect it can have. Mm-hmm. But I also understand that he created the blockbuster. I, yeah. I do understand that that's, he's in a different position than, let's say, Martin Scorsese, where he, you know, I love Martin Scorsese, but he did not create the blockbuster. Yeah. I understand where he's coming from with mm-hmm. that. And I, but I still feel like it's like he could ease up just a tad yeah. given, given everything that's happened. I, I think pandemic, I understand yeah. pre-pandemic. I was more on his side where I understood it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a little bit more on his side now that the Emmys have walked back some of their rules, allowing documentary films to compete there at the Oscars and the Emmys. During the pandemic, they didn't allow it because they just didn't want, like, you know, a film. They didn't want the power of the dog to lose Best Picture and go, you know what? An Emmy sounds good. Yeah. So, you, you know, I, I, I felt a lot better about that. But I do think with a pandemic happening, he, mm-hmm. he could ease up just a smidge and go, we've all been through horrible things. Yeah. But it's come on back to the theater. Like, he could make it feel better. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, you know, he, there's no empathy when you have a theater in your home. Yeah. He's lacking. He needs to understand that, you know, some of us are just still a little skittish. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I completely respect that. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad that one of the, one of the things I, I certainly am all for uh, talking about discussions like that, because I do think it's, it's an important part of how we, how we connect with movies. And I mean, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that we're having this conversation in addition to the Oscars, I, and but the I fact of the matter is for a kid. Yeah. But the like fact nine is, or 10 out there and see Jaws or CET Jaws may be a yeah. little scarring for a nine year old, but, but to see the movie, just stumble across it and watch it and be in awe of it. And that makes them want to become a filmmaker or an editor yeah. or something. And and for for somebody to be out there and say, well, you don't understand my work. It's like you've inspired this person's entire life. Exactly. Like, and is that really worth taking that away from them? The mm-hmm. fact that they just saw it on television. No, and the fact of the matter is, it's like a lot of people were going to be watching these movies that we've talked about tonight at home for the first time, and I hope they watch yeah. some of these films and get inspired to get into more films, to watch more films like everything, everything. If you liked, 
if, if you like the Banshees of Sharon, check out In Bruges. I told people who saw Parasite, I'm like, check out Snope. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So yeah, many... check out his English lesson. Yeah. Snow, yeah. Don't Snow check character. out the, yeah. don't check out the mean... TNT. Yeah, don't check out the TNT series. <laughs> check out the Chris Evans movie. But yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like, and these movies are going to be ones that ultimately, at a certain point, somebody is going to find them on TV or on a streaming service, and that's how they're going to watch them for the first time. And that is that is perfectly fine to do that, to be inspired by films that you've seen on TV for the first time. I mean, I, I'm like you. It's like I, every time I get a chance to try to see a movie that I love on the big screen, I will take it. I will absolutely take it. But I, I just because I haven't seen it on the big screen doesn't mean I love it less. It means that... I just haven't had the chance to see it on the big screen. Yeah, or you fine. weren't born when it was on the big screen. Like, I, I can't go back in time and see Casablanca. Like, yeah, yeah. So, but, and I'm not going to the. I'm not going to a theater at midnight to watch people see Rocky Horror Picture Show. Like, sorry. Yeah, well, that's a bad example, but still, it's like. Well, no, I mean, no. yeah, it, it's it's also. It, I mean, that's a that's a very unique case, and I mean, we, I I could talk about that otherwise because i have actually done that but you know it's it's one of those things where it's it's you know each experience is different and the, the fact most that important thing i don't is, think anyone like you and i are going to be able to get like 22 out of 23 this year is a good thing because i think yeah. it adds a level of drama there is some you know as much as i want kihai kwan to be a sure thing yeah i can't say it's a sure thing Oh yeah, absolutely. No, and I—he's got a little doubt. That's that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you because of the fact that it's one thing for me to just go through these categories and say, "Here's why I think we'll win." Here's why I think we'll win. Here's why I think this will win. And but having this discussion with you, I've started to rethink some of my own. And I'm more of an an awards expert than I am a film critic. So so um, that's. That's been absolutely terrific. And Amanda, once again, thank you very much for joining me tonight to talk about the Oscars and to talk about movies <laughs> in general. You're welcome. I, I hopefully will earn up, uh, move up a page on your follow this person the next time you send out one of those threads. I, I, I was I looking through the names will. and I'm like, I, why I am I will. on third? Yeah, I, I don't de- No, we, we definitely will. We and and the funny thing is, it's like once I started to I started to get notifications for that today. It's like, wait a minute, I said that out two weeks ago, three two three weeks ago. Where's this coming from? But oh, no, it's it's gosh. it is it is what no I, I you definitely will, and I I definitely I'm just kidding with yeah. you. You know, it's like you know you're going to be on a podcast. You're like, oh, I got to find something to talk about. I'm like, wait, I'm on number five. <laughs> On the fourth page, and you're having me on today. You didn't think this one through, did you? But it's, I, it's, it's been a pleasure talking fun. about these things. Yeah, and uh, we we will definitely do it again. Uh, this this episode is one that I'm looking forward to people talking about, especially listening to and talking about, especially because of the the different conversations we've had to have about the nominations. 
because yeah. of the discussion we've had about the big screen and stuff. It is really a terrific bunch of nominations this year. Like, there are very few... I mean, there are movies that I'm not a fan of, but ultimately, some of the nominations... It's like, well, there's yeah. always going to be movies. Yeah, but there's always going to be a movie that it works for everyone else. It just doesn't work for you. Yeah. But... Uh, I, I feel that way about Avatar. Mm-hmm. I, I just didn't see it because I didn't like the first one. Mm-hmm. That's, so that's I'm definitely not true. going to see it for... Yeah, I mean, yeah. especially that... That doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It just means it's not for me. Yeah. So. No, exactly. I mean, that's that's ultimately some of what we're talking about here uh, on on this particular episode. But uh, yeah, Amanda, thank you very much for joining me. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. I'd like to thank Amanda once again for joining me on the podcast. It is... A pleasure to talk to her. We went longer than I expected this year. But this year is an uncommonly interesting year when it comes to the Oscars. Because even the technical side, as we discussed, seems like it's got a lot of questions still. I, I feel like there are fewer questions up at the top, but there's still some as far as where things are going to go on the technical side. I'm excited about that. We have now come to the point in the episode, though, where I do my 10 best films of 2022. And this, this was honestly a remarkable year. I, it, there are great films every year. The 10 best films for this year, though, are an uncommonly strong group. And I do not say that lightly, but when you consider a lot of the films that I love this year that did not make my top 10, it is kind of remarkable. Um, Some of the other terrific films that are not in my top 10 are All Quiet on the Western Front, Apollo 10 and a Half, Space Age Childhood, Boy Scout Honor, Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, Mad God, Scales, Sundown, which have fantastic performance by Tim Roth. It's on Hulu. If you haven't had a chance to see it, I highly recommend it. Pray, She Keeps Me, Bones and All, Hallelujah, EO, Apples and Speak No Evil. And then... You get to the films which had my highest rating but didn't make the list. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Eternity on a Loop, The Woman King, The Whale, The Bond, Avatar The Way of Water, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Fire of Love, and All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. All of those films deserve to be on a top ten list, but they it could none of them could crack my top ten because my top ten is honestly kind of remarkable. And it's the the ten films on this list this year are there for a reason. They either rattled me profoundly, entertained me exceptionally well or did both and that that is a testament to how they went about their business 
Um, you know, it's funny. I always save this for this one. Uh, when I was on It's the Pictures podcast recently, uh, we went through our favorites of 2022, and I went with my genuine favorites of 2022. I went through my top 10 of that list um, because I wanted to talk more about those films in that context. Plus, I always save my top 10 for this. Uh, you will notice on in their own league, I uh, had my top 10, but I did it alphabetically because I wanted to save the order uh, for this one. But if you know me, if you know how I feel about these films, or if you follow me on Letterboxd, uh, this rating, this uh, ranking will not surprise you at all. So we now come to my 10 best films of 2022. We are going to start with a short film that I saw at the Atlanta Film Festival last year in one of the Georgia blocks called Bad Dream. And it is basically a child going through his bad dreams. And they're all events that happen to black Americans on a daily basis. It is a fantastically spare piece of filmmaking by Camilo Diaz that really captures the harsh reality of what it is to be black in America in a way that is not sensationalized, very simple, and very profound. Uh, this, this short rattled me, and I mean, short films have to be truly breathtaking to be on this list, and this one is. Number nine is uh, Maya from K-11, and uh, I... K-11 is somebody who I, I truly consider a friend, and it would be, it's easy to say that because of just how much I love her films, but the fact of the matter is, you, you, once you get to know her, you really come to realize that her films are, are truly a reflection of her and her journey, and, uh, I'll write more about that on uh, in their own league recently. I you and you can read my profile on K11. I did it last year's Renegade Film Festival, um, but there's certainly more to talk about with uh, her this year's uh, fe festival, and it has to do with the Directors Cup, Cup Black Lake, which I will talk about in other context. Uh, Maya is another supernatural horror film and it touches on some profound ideas of being a girl and what it's like to be tormented by the past and it her Kay's visual filmmaking is continues to be amazing and this is a uh, tremendous film and if when it becomes available, I cannot recommend it enough. It is a terrific, uh, it's a terrific film, and Kay is somebody who, she is a voice that I'm excited to see progress over the next, the rest of the time I get to see films of hers, and I can't wait to see what that's going to look like. Next up is RRR, and, uh, it, 
I, I've once again missed theatrically seeing this, um, but the fact of the matter is, it's even just watching on my computer screen was a tremendous experience, and I, I do hope to see it theatrically at some point, but um, even if I don't, the this this is just such a joyous experience of escapism of history as entertainment of filmmaking of music and of rebellion and it's it's such a tremendous film and i loved every moment of it Number seven is Marcel, The Show With Shoes On, which honestly uh, moved me to tears when I saw it at the Atlanta Film Festival. And I, you know, it's, it's about family. It's about family lost. It's about family found. It's about friendship. And it is, it has the biggest heart of, any film I saw in 2022. And I absolutely adore it. It's, it's, it's a beautiful film. Number six is The Banshees of Inisherin, which is a, one of the best films about friendship and toxic friendship than, that I've ever seen. Uh, Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson back after in Bruges, uh, just tremendous performances from both of them. It's a great pairing. Martin McDonough does a phenomenal job. I love this movie. And it really connected with me when I saw it. And I cannot wait to watch it again and see how I feel again. Um, number five is Women Talking by Sarah Polly. She does not miss. And... This is this is a film where the most important thing somebody like me being uh, a man can do is simply listen. That's that's what we need to do when women need to talk about issues concerning them, and uh, this this captures that beautifully. And I I cannot recommend it enough. I hope people, I hope Sarah Polly wins that supporting actors or the adapted screenplay Oscar. And it's this this film got robbed in terms of its performances. It's collectively a tremendous group of performances. Number four is The Fablemans. Uh, Steven Spielberg did it once again. And this is, this is honestly one of my favorite films of his. When we did our Spielberg uh, discussion with Daniel and Darren, um, it, it was, I, I had this as my third favorite Spielberg. And honestly, a rewatch in December just confirmed that. Um, I, I love this film. I can't wait to watch it again and to uncover more depths of Spielberg as a filmmaker and as an individual. And I, I just absolutely love this. Number three is The Batman. 
Uh, I've said it before, I'll say it again, Matt Reeves just did a tremendous job of world building for this film. It is amazing in that respect, and it really resonated with me hard. And Michael Giacchino's scores, still my favorite of the year. Although, honestly, John Williams' uh, score for The Fablemans is getting up there because I do love listening to that one. But the Batman, I can't wait to see where he takes this world again next. It's going to be exciting. Number two is After Yang by Kokaneda. Uh, three Colin Farrell movies in my top six. Imagine that. Uh, the, the man had an absolutely stunning year. And uh, this, this, is, this is the type of science fiction that I love. I love films that don't necessarily... Well, as much as I love a film like Alienoid that really leans into the science fiction, I, I also love films that really adapt science fiction to the real world. And I, I think this is a great example of that. It's a profound example of that. Coconata's script, the performances what means to be human and to interact with humans? What does that mean? That's, that's what I love about After Yang. It, it's, this was going to be one of my favorites the second I saw it at Sundance. And it, it, the, I had third viewing in December, and it just confirmed that. So that brings us to uh, my number one film of the year, and uh, it's honestly everything, everywhere, all at once. Not only is that one of my one of the best film the best film of this year, it's one of the best films I've ever seen. And uh, it it's it's a movie that just resonated hard with me when I saw it in August. And another one I wish I could have seen theatrically, but it was the craft the emotion, the performances, everything about this movie is about as close to perfect as we've seen in filmmaking over the past decade. And it's going to win Best Picture. Just don't even think about it. And it's it deserves it. It's it's truly one of the when I say it's one of the best films I've ever seen, I do not take that lightly. I do not use that lightly to describe film. Um, a film, especially modern film, has to do something remarkable to do that. And this one does so much. That's going to be it for this episode of the Sonic Cinema Podcast. Thank you for listening, as always. Got some great episodes coming up. We have my... Uh, Renegade wrap-up with some fantastic, insightful interviews. A uh, couple people you're familiar with, a couple people you aren't. And it was just such a great experience this year. Also going to have a new guest. Uh, we're going to be talking about one of the great legendary actresses of Hollywood's golden age. I'm uh, going to have, a returning, have two returning guests. Um, talk about uh, really singular filmmakers 
But for now, check us out at patreon.com backslash Sonic Cinema. Plenty of Renegade Film Festival coverage is there, including short film blocks. I'm doing really well this year as far as getting that stuff done quickly. Go to the Sonic Cinema podcast, click like, subscribe, rate and review wherever you listen to the podcast. Thank you so much. And, uh, and then obviously www.sonic-cinema.com. Thank you very much. Thank you.